Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, Thomas and Caballeros. And welcome to another edition of Leave It in the Ring. I am your co-host most of the time. Uh, today, I'm just your host, Gabriel Montoya. Uh, Dave Duenas is on uh, sabbatical right now. He's uh, chilling with the family, uh, taking care of things. Uh, Dave is a hard-working, good man. And uh, I can't thank him enough for just saying, hey, you know, go ahead, do the show. Got to get your opinion out on the big fight, Triple G, Gennady Golovkin uh, versus uh, Saul Canelo Alvarez this weekend. Um, before we get into that, though, I want to say that this show is brought to you by Jim KO Tickets Boom. Uh, the man brings you quality ticket prices. Uh, he actually gave me a little message to send out to the folks that if you're looking for tickets, he's, he's jam-packed slammed. Uh, he's not doing a segment today. Uh, but he said, if you want to let the people know seats are available for the rematch, uh, give out my number. I'd appreciate it. Uh, 702-591-1638. That's Jim K.O. Tickets Boone. Uh, tell him Gabriel sent you uh, from Leaving in the Ring. Uh, Jim is uh, one of our Patreons. Uh, without this uh, illustrious group of people uh, donating monthly uh, different sums of money to us, uh, I mean, we'd still do the show, but uh, uh, we wouldn't be able to pay for the microphone. Uh, you know, I'd be paying for the Internet myself, uh, things like that. Uh, the subscription to Blog Talk, uh, Jim uh, and the rest of the Patreons uh, make that possible. So. If you're wondering why my voice is wavering, uh, I was drinking something. Actually, I was drinking a smoothie like right before. I was like pounding some greens, uh, getting ready for the show, and it went down the wrong tube. Uh, and I'll be dealing with that for the next 30 minutes. Um, but right off the top, uh, I'm going to pull in a caller, and then I'm going to pull in another caller who's going to do co-hosting duties with me today. Uh, but first, I'm going to go to Juan in San Diego and say, what's up? Who you got? Hey, Versus Canelo. What's up, man? Long time no talk. I've been uh, hey. away at Burning Man. Hey, yeah, yeah. I was uh, expecting you guys this Monday, and I I didn't hear anything, so I figured, well, maybe they're still on vacation. <laughs> Dave, Dave, Dave's been on a grind, you know, and so it's hard for us to match up the times to do the show. And uh, uh, you know, and I, honestly, like, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to Burning Man, but like, it's like, you know. Th- extreme camping and it's this dust that gets over everything and you come out with a lot of equipment uh to you know to just uh-huh. to survive there we were there like 12 days my wife and i uh we volunteered to like help set wow. up or help guard stuff while people were setting up uh and then while they were taking it down uh yeah really extreme weather uh but uh yeah, or just in I terms of you know, that, environment yeah i have a buddy that that well he's been going to burning man every every year and uh He's told me all about it, and I've seen the, seen the pictures. I've never been there, but hopefully one day I'll get to do something like that and experience uh, the whole 
the whole thing which looked amazing. I highly recommend it, man. It's it's uh, him volunteering this year made it even better. But it it takes a physical toll. Like it takes a while when you come back. Like you know they call it decompression, and it's like just because you you know every day like yeah they drink like a gallon of water just to keep going, man. Uh, it's uh, yeah. it's really something. So I was kind of happy when we didn't do a show Monday. But I was like, dude, there's no way we can I cannot get on the air and and you know and, and miss this opportunity to talk about a great fight. Who, who do you like? Oh yeah, no. Yeah, the biggest thought of the year, you know, there has to be a conversation about it. Uh, you know, I've been, I've been thinking about it, you know, it's, it's kind of a difficult pick uh, for many reasons. But first of all, the first fight, uh, I, I thought that Gennady pulled it off. But I, that, that I, think, I think that Canelo did enough to make, you know, to, to justify the rematch and, and, and even in some ways to justify the draw in some people's minds. So, you know, when you're rooting for someone, you're always going to see what he's doing a little bit, you know, a little bit more, you know. If you're rooting for Canelo, you're going to feel like he's boxing, he's moving. Look at him. Look at how he makes a miss. If you're looking at Gennady, you're looking at his jab and you're looking at how, how consistent it is. But in the end, you know, if, if you really – put yourself in a neutral position and start looking at the fight uh, uh, from a little bit more far away, you'll notice that both guys didn't do their fight. None of them actually established, even Gennady with a jab. Come on, let's be honest. A jab alone shouldn't be enough to make you win. If I'm, even though I'm a big Gennady fan, I would have loved to see him connect more punches, more variety. But he said, I connected more punches. Yes, but it was jabs only. You can't uh, you know, you yeah. can't win a fight as big as that with the jab only. Even though he did win it, but come on, what do you? Expect? It's a really good jab too, and he, he lands it more than anybody in the sport, right? I think he averages something like ten jabs oh, no. around landed, but but they, people are like ascribe it all these things. You know, uh, it's become epic that jab, and you're right. Like, there's more to the fight. There's also you know more to the fight. Like, you know, the the, the four criteria. You know, you, the fight. I've watched it a few times. I like four times. It really makes you think about effective. What is that? Is it the guy that's pressuring? Is it effective if you get him to the ropes, but like you don't really do anything when he gets there and he kind of blocks most of your shots and he moves away and he doesn't do anything, but, but like, maybe that's his game. You know, like that, I saw a lot of that in the fight. You know, I, I agree with you. I initially yeah, had an eight, four triple G it's gotten closer for me, but no closer than seven, five. I could maybe see the draw, yeah, but no. not really. I'd have to be uh, really, if you give it a you know, yeah, if you give it a draw to Canelo, you're, you're trying to justify everything he's doing. And the guy basically right. did what Mayweather did to him and what he uh, criticized a lot. You can see the videos out there when they're saying that Mayweather ran while Mayweather landed way more punches on him than he ever landed on Gennady. And, uh, and Gennady actually had you know control of the fight with that jab. And, and Because in the end, that's what happened. Uh, the fight was controlled by one punch, by one guy, most of the rounds. And Canelo had a, an early, you know, early round wins, like a couple of rounds, and uh, he won. I, I think he won the first and the second. And the first, really, nobody did anything. It's just the same. The perception that if nobody does nothing, the boxer wins the round. But in reality, you, you can easily do a ten ten round. So uh, the last three rounds, you can give you, you can give them, you know, you can give them to Canelo if you want. You can even give one round to Gennady if you want. And still, the result for me doesn't change. It's either eight, four, seven, five. But Gennady should have won that fight. Now, it wasn't 
in my eyes, what I expected. I thought he would, he would knock. I thought Gennady would knock Canelo out, and the fact that he respected it, respected him so much, tells me a lot of what Canelo is doing in there. I think the speed with that, you know, I, I think he's heavy-handed enough to to gain his respect. And I'm going to tell you something that happened to me a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I went to Guadalajara, okay, of all places, with my friends. And I got into uh, an, an argument with a taxi driver uh, because he wanted to take us to a place that we didn't want to go. And I got out of the car, and the guy tased me. And I felt like he sucker punched me, and I didn't see the punch. Like, I didn't see it coming, and it knocked me down. And I got up, and I was like, okay. <laughs> Other than this bad experience, what, I, what this tells you, what the punch you don't see coming is the punch that knocks you down. So I think that was the, you know, what was happening to Gennady, that he was so concerned about that punch he didn't he wouldn't see coming. He was just just looking at, at, at Canelo just to see what he was going to do. He was just wor- way too worried about his, his, his speed. So that's what gets me worried for the rematch. I think uh, Triple G, uh, if he becomes too aggressive, he's going to get hit, and he's going to get hit more than last fight. But again, then we come back to his boxing ability. I think he's a better boxer than Canelo, even though people have the perception that because the, the other guy can move backwards, he's just a better fighter. Uh, you know, I think Gennady has a little bit better fundamentals with the jab, the cross, the hook. Uh, I, I don't know. He's a little bit more technically sound, in my opinion. And also one more thing, Gabe, before I get your opinion. Uh, I was listening to an interview for uh, Nacho Bernstein today, and he was saying exactly the same thing. He was Because they were interviewing him in a Latin America. He wasn't even a Mexican. I think it was Argentinian or something like that. And they were asking him, what do you think? And they were trying to steer him towards him saying that Canelo is better. He's like, don't, no, no, no. Don't confuse his style as robotic. It's not robotic. I've been, you know, I, I've had amateur fighters fight the Russian school of boxing. And it's, it's very difficult to fight. There's a lot of subtle things that you don't see. I do see that. Like uh, Miguel Angel he actually Gonzalez said to me, uh, "Go ahead, oh, wait, no, go ahead." Uh, I just when he he told yeah, me that uh, when I interviewed him in Mexicali that the very same thing. He talked about all the different styles and talked about how that style, the the European or the Russian style, uh, was just it was really difficult and and it was subtle. Yeah, he says it's kind of like fencing. They go like to the front, to the back, to the front, but they're very educated in how they. They move it. It's a game of inches for them. They know exactly how to control hmm. distance, and that's what Gennady does very well. Usyk does very well. Lomachenko does very it's, it's kind of like you can see it in all those guys. And it's not surprising if you follow the sport, like the history of amateur boxing. Russians and Cubans dominated the Olympics for years. So it's not surprising that these uh, they open up to the pro level, and now you're seeing them everywhere. They have very good school, but it's different from what we're used to in America and Latin America. So he said one more thing. He said, that's one of the things I told Miguel Angel Gonzalez and Julio Cesar Chavez when they fought Kafka too. And they didn't listen. They thought that we can just walk over him because he seems robotic. But he's not robotic. He's doing some things there that not, they're not used to. And I think that's what Canelo couldn't figure out uh, on Gennady. And whenever people say, well, Canelo learned, well, is Gennady like a, an idiot or what? He also learned. He also fought 12 rounds against Canelo. So in my opinion, it's whoever learned the most and who can adapt the most. To me, that's, that's what's going to uh, give us the, the, the result of uh, Saturday's fight. 
No question. I mean, you, know, you look at the first fight, and it's really like two fights in a row for, for Golovkin, uh, where the body punching doesn't it's hard for him. And it's two guys with more upper body movement, more mobility, uh, less willingness to engage than previous opponents, you know? Um, and I think, you know, people have kind of, I hate to use the term, the blueprint is out, but uh, people have decided that that's going to be the best way is to kind of hunt and peck at Golovkin, make him work, make him use those 36 year old legs. I mean, that's what you do. You know, you keep moving to the far end, use your young legs and you take the old man for a walk. Uh, that's, uh, you, you know, as old to. as boxing. Um, I, that's why, you yeah, know, you all these calls for, well, well, let me ask you this as a, as a fan, what do you make of how vocal, uh, Abel Sanchez is and Golovkin just not just, I mean, Golovkin talking about how Canelo is completely different. I saw this one video, I think it was on ring TV. It was on Twitter play, playing, and, and he was talking about how they're, you know, they're completely different. They're really nice before, but after the positives, they're completely different. And talked about the needle marks, like, all over him. Uh, this one piece I read. Um, and, and Abel saying, like, we're going to do, like, a service for boxing and, and, uh, and for the Mexican beef industry by knocking Canelo out. Um, all, all that talking, you know, what Canelo's response to it was, uh, these are the words of a drowning man, drowning in excuses. What do you think? Uh, I think I think what it's very clear to me that what they're doing is trying to get into his head because they know he's hot-headed. Uh, if you you know if you understand a little Spanish and you hear what he's saying, like Canelo, what, how he responds to all that, he responds in a very bad way, very arrogant, and 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 very the way he talks about Golovkin isn't a bit. And even Chepo Gutierrez, um, they they talk about him like he wasn't like if he's nothing. So uh, when I hear what they're saying and how they say. It, 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 I can understand what, why Abel continues to push uh, into the mind game. I, I think mm-hmm. that even Abel would have to know this. Canelo would be stupid if he if he if he fights a, a frontal, frontal fight with Triple G. That would be stupid. What he did was what he needed to do. He needed to to uh, you know fight backward and box. Who wouldn't? Even Danny Jacobs is a bigger guy, and uh, Gennady is an expert in, 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 in knocking people out. Why would you put yourself in danger? Even and, and even if Canelo looks big, he's still a smaller guy. He's coming from a smaller weight class, fighting smaller guys. It, it, yeah, you know, it's like I always said: the uh, the greatest favor Oscar De La Hoya ever did for Felix Trinidad was to to have a whole game plan of moving away from him, and then in the back end stop punching and and keep moving away from him, uh, because everybody after that was like, "I'm going to do what De La Hoya didn't. I'm going to stand with Tito," and he was just knocking fools out yeah. until he got the Hopkins. He was like, uh, "I'm going to box because that's what I'm supposed to do." Um, you know, he boxed exactly. and punched because he's also the naturally bigger man, but. Uh, you know, I'm I'm curious to see. You know, Canelo's talked about they're they're going to fight a speed, uh, you know, kind of based attack. I want to know what that looks like. I think he needs to add 20 percent, 25 percent more offense to what he did last time, um, and the judges will give it to him. Will that mean he? You know, that's different than saying he won. I'm just saying, you know, if he could get a draw the last time out, he could pick up another judge by adding 20 percent more offense. No, yes, yes, and I, and I agree with that. I, I think Canelo, because of his age and and he's still maturing, I think he can he can. That's a logical thing to 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 think uh, that that he can improve a little bit more because he's younger. But one of the things that and and and, and this is I give credit to my brother. My brother is a way more analytical about he he understands 
sports way better than I do. I, I'm more of a fan than an analyst, so my predictions are usually not that great. But he always told, <laughs> he told me this when Canelo when Canelo fought Mayweather. Uh, we have a you know we know people that are, that love Canelo and and they just justify that the guy will win no matter what because you know because he's better and you know, no reason. Uh, and we were talking about how Canelo needed to at least throw 60 punches per round to beat Mayweather. And and the argument, my brother always said, the thing is that he never does that. He's never even done that in fights, even when he's offensively better than the, even against Kirkland and the Angulas of this world. He doesn't throw that many punches because he does, that's not his, that's not who he is. So whoever tells you that the guy suddenly out of nowhere, he's going to do that, he's going to be Usyk, talking about the guy's not that he is who he is he already is canelo so he has to be the best canelo that he can be he has to be more accurate and a little bit more a little bit better with his punches i don't think he's going to throw that many punches because if he does that he's going to open up to gennady and i don't think that's the best way to do it so whoever says that the guy's going to throw more punches i don't know what he's talking about he if he does it i'll be surprised of course uh, because i've never seen him do that but, and if he does it, all the credit in the world to him. Why not? You know, hopefully he does that and he wins. And he's a younger guy. He, I hope he 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 wins and wins in spectacular fashion, so he can you know continue the to carry the flag of the sport. That's what we need. You know what I mean? I, I agreed. I mean, I I think you know, it's a it's a shame. I mean, we've gone this far uh, in the conversation without uh, uh, talking about PEDs, which. I got to tell you, today, after just making a joke to Sean Givens and then having to explain myself to Stephen Edwards and then having a fighter, Eddie Alvarez, jump in on me and have to explain it again, you know, maybe I should have said right off the bat it, it was a quip, but I thought it's pretty obvious what I said. You know, there's no drug to, that you can take that will make you a better fighter. Uh, I thought, I don't know, I thought it was pretty clear that what I meant was, you know, like George Jetson, you know, puts water on the pill and he gets a turkey yeah. dinner that I was saying yeah. you can't take a pill, then it'll give you more skills. Right. Is that clear? I thought it was clear, Very uh, clear. but Very clear. thank I, you. Thank you. Juan. Another thing that I saw today, I don't know if you saw that Jamil McCline, what he said today or a couple of, I, I saw it on a real. That's what it was. It was that. Sean Gibbons was making a joke about what Jamil McCline said, okay. uh, that okay. he should get his money yeah, yeah. back because that's what PEDs did for him. And I was saying, yeah, apparently there's no drug that you could take that'll make you a better fighter. You know, apparently he was taking yeah, all the drugs. One of the things, one of the things, one of the things Jamil McCline said, and I think I, I, I said it in the past in, in conversation in the next round with Steve, uh, he said, what are you talking about? Everybody was doing it. Everybody knows it. And he's like, I, I'm not cheating. I'm doing what everybody else is doing. That's not cheating. And, and, and I'm like, okay, I remember, you know, and I, I've said this before in the gyms in TJ in Tijuana, uh, it's very well known within the, the trainers. They talk about it like openly in the gym. Like even even like you, you hear it. You're standing right there and you're hearing it. So your job is to get is that, to be at their peak. Like he said, at the top of this game, you know, you're fooling yourself if you think that you're not that people aren't doing drugs. Like that you can be at the top. You know, uh, I, I should pull up the actual yeah. quote. Uh, you know, and it's kind of. Hypocrisy. It's a little bit of a hypocrisy, but again, nobody has to like, nobody has to say it. You, people need to, you know, understand that these guys are going to cover it up all the time. They're going to, as uh, they say out there, if you're not cheating, you're not trying, and you're only cheating if you if you get caught. And and you got a man up if you got caught. Uh, like, you know, 
I, I think that whole idea, Victor Conte talks a lot about this. A guy really came clean. Uh, and he said he used to use the defense that it's not cheating if everyone's doing it. Uh, and then he's like, ultimately, that's bullshit. You know, I knew what I was doing was wrong. And, and I would add, it's like if you had to worry about the tests at all, or you had to think about the tests, or you knew it was banned or, you know, uh, illegal to be possessing it, uh, it was cheating. It was wrong, you know. And there's no – it is what it is. It's not a phrase that actually means anything, I, I, you know. Um, I don't know what people should do with Jamil. I'm not a very punitive person. Like Mia St. John and, and Jamil, uh, the only thing I would ask of them is that maybe they do name names, uh, especially if those people are still active yeah. in the sport. Uh, I think oh, they yeah, owe no, it to the sport, it, you know. Yeah, I think, uh, it, I think it's kind of coward that they come out and say it now that they're retired and pointing fingers. I'm like, what are you doing? Why didn't well, you say this when you were active? Well, I'll tell you what, what it is um, – it reminds me of that phrase, you know, there's what you know and what you can print. And I've got a lot of stories that I can't print, but that I know. Uh, many of them I know of just straight up to be true, right? Um, and it's because people of like, like Mia St. John and, and Jamil McCline will only come so far to the line uh, or st- other people who won't come to the line at all uh, that those stories don't get told. Uh, but I'm very supportive of Mia. You know, I've reached out to her and, and uh, I haven't reached out to Jamil, but, but uh you know, uh, I just wish they'd, they'd take a take it a little bit further. Especially if those if those people are working in the industry, we we have a right to know. Uh, opponents have a right to know. But uh, Juan, I got a I got a bunch of the people. It was great to to sit and visit with you. Yeah, so yeah. what's your final yeah. pick? Well, my pick, I think Triple G's going to repeat. I think he's going to he's the better boxer. But I wouldn't be surprised if Canelo, you know, does a couple of adjustments and wins the fight. I, I, I that's what I think going to happen. And whoever wins, hopefully they win clean. And, and, and that's the best of the sport. Hmm. Well, you are on the record, sir. I'll catch up with you All probably right, next, you. next Monday. I'm going to be flying solo for a few weeks here, and I, I think I'm going to knock it out on Monday. So uh, I'll let you know. All right. I'll, All right, I'll call. We'll review the fight. All right. All right, man. Cool. Thank you. Take care. Um, so I'm bringing on two people here uh, next. Uh, that was Juan San Diego. He was a longtime listener of the next round and leave it in the ring. Um, and, uh, you know, a follower on Twitter as well, or we follow each other, I should say. Uh, but I want to bring on, um, I think it is Emil Carr. Yep, there, I'm sir? here, Gabe. Thanks for All having right, me on. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for uh, for coming on at such short notice. Um, and then I'm going to do a one-two punch here. Uh, I'm going to bring on the host of uh, the hot new boxing uh, business podcast, Fistianados, uh, Evan Rakowski. Am I saying your name right, Evan? Hello? Hello? Man, it is yes. Evan. There he is. How you doing, it Evan? Is, yes. Hey, Evan. Doing great. How you doing? I'm hey, doing very well. Great to, have you. great to hear you on the phone. Great to hear you, man. And uh, this should go without saying, but your, your show is really good, and I, I listen to it every week. It's a great show, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I figured uh, that you were going to have a lot of great info and great takes, Evan, and I figured that Emilcar would have some great questions and, and want to ask you some stuff, so I figured I'd get all three of us together here. Uh, first off, uh, should we save our picks of uh, Triple G Canelo for a minute? Are there other pressing stories that you want to talk about, like, uh, I don't know, Canelo's free agency or anything like that, Evan? That was actually <laughs> going to be my question, yeah. I think, I, I, you know, if you're going to sum up this weekend for me, this is really about legacy for a lot of different entities. And 
Canelo's free agency, Triple G's free agency, and let's be honest, I think Danny Jacobs' contract runs out at the end of his next fight. If it doesn't, it's only one more fight. And HBO's legacy, what, what is happening here? Um, it's very convenient that all their major fighters' contracts are running out at the same time at the end of 2018. And I never, I actually thought that for a long time, HBO would still be in the boxing business come 2019. And, and maybe this is just a blip in the road. Maybe this is something that a week from now, everybody will be signed to future contracts. And this is just a weird timing of a lot of things. But the cynic in me, maybe for the first time is thinking, this could be the end of the road. And what kind of legacy is going to happen with this fight for, for all three parties? Right. I, who I who mean, do you think has the, the, the deepest pockets to get Canelo? I think it really depends on if Canelo wins this fight or not. I think if Canelo wins this fight, he is a pay-per-view fighter moving forward. That probably rules out the zone. Um, it doesn't necessarily rule out ESPN or Fox, but they don't have a whole lot of experience doing this. You've got to look at the relationship between Espinoza and Oscar uh, and, and, and think there has to be something there, but mm. you know, we, we could be entering a world where boxing may not be a, a, a pay cable sport anymore. I mean, Les Moonvis, I don't think people understand the impact that that has on, on potentially on Showtime boxing, the timing of that three year deal with the PBC and Showtime is also something I found very interesting given what was happening at the top from Les Moonves, you know, I'm going to talk about this on my show. I'm going to record it tonight, but there will probably never, he is probably the most powerful person in the entertainment industry, or he was, he's out and he was a big boxing fan. There's almost a 0% chance whoever replaces him is going to be as big of a boxing fan, if a fan at all. And, you know, we're also looking at a contentious legal battle or who gets control of a lot of these companies. And, you know, you hate to bring egos into it, but just knowing that Les was a fan of something, if there's not a, you know, a really rational financial argument to keep it on the table, it, it could be out. Maybe, maybe this was a parting gift to Showtime Boxing to prove themselves. Maybe it's toothless. We, like, we don't know. Maybe it's just the normal course of business where Showtime knew that the PBC was going to make a deal with Fox. They wanted to, to beat everybody to the punch and say, hey, remember, we've been doing this the best in 2018. We're the sort of the, the leader in the sport right now. Remember that we're here. But it, we don't know. I mean, this is this is all big news, at least yeah, from my I, point of view. I don't know if you read the piece, Evan, uh, from the creator of Designing Women. She wrote about how uh, Les Moonves, she claims, uh, ruined her career. Like at the peak of her career, uh, that show was like the number one show. She had like a $50 million deal with CBS. Um, and then her benefactors get let go. Les Moonves comes in and just starts vetoing all her stuff. Like she had even a deal where like they had to pay her money for every pilot of hers that they didn't make. Uh, and for some reason he just absolutely hated her, hated the show uh, according to her story. But it, so what a, allegedly horrible guy that he was, but what it shows is that 
how much a, a culture can change that it went from, you know, CBS went from a, having designing women as a top show and she had another show that featured women and, and they were skewing that way and giving women a chance of all ages to have shows. And then Les Moonves comes in and all of a sudden all these male uh, oriented top shows, um, a culture changes with the executives. You're absolutely right. The next person doesn't care. If they're not from the generation that Les Moonves is from, that liked boxing, um, I, I hope that uh, Showtime Boxing turns a profit because it's going to matter. Yeah, it's. Uh, I I've read both of the Ronan Farrow pieces, and you know, I, I would just say to anyone out there, if you're if you're interested in in learning more about it, read those pieces. They're incredibly instructive. You know, I, I don't. I've never even met Les Moonves. I don't know who he is. I love the fact that he loves boxing. That's basically what I love about him. Um, all the other stuff, I'm not going to even get into. But, sure. you know, the bottom line is he's out. It probably sounds like he should be out. And I hope that, you know, someone other than Matt Blank at Showtime sees some real value in the sport. I hope that someone, you know, higher up in the corporate structure sees value in the sport because I think Showtime's done a great job this year and I'd love to see them continue doing it. You know, Steven Espinoza, the, the PBC takes a lot of flack for what they did on their time by, but Steven Espinoza was able to generate really good matchups this year. You know, I can't even remember a network schedule where so many top fighters were fighting and the, and the odds makers were putting out odds of less than three to one, less than two to one for all, you know, so many of the fights, like they just had great matchups, you know, they're big fights too, you know, or, or T, you know, Wilder Ortiz for me is my fight of the year right now. So I, I really hope that uh, they'll be given a chance, but you know, all these, I mean, we could be, I never thought I'd be saying this a year ago, but we could be looking at a 2020 where neither, you know, pay cabler is in the business which is mind-blowing. Yeah, Eddie seems to, I mean, all of, all of streaming, it's, it's happened so fast that all of a sudden it's here and people are willing to, uh, you know, invest in the sport. I mean, do you think in, in some ways that, that um, well, I guess well, Al now has his Fox deal. So, I mean, all the people that were saying the PBC was dead, um, what are they saying now? Oh, no, it's, it, it's, I mean, the PBC is alive and well. And I think what, what has hurt the pay cable business, and I think this goes back to the original question of, of where would Canelo or Triple G go, you know, there's the metrics for what moves the needle on HBO and Showtime are, are murky. And so when there isn't that sense from the top of like, hey, we're putting, you know, a, a lot of a big priority behind this, the sport, we're, we're really stepping up to this, we see value in this. It, there, When you're in... Uh, you know, HBO and Showtime do not have one-on-one -on -one relationships with their subscribers, except for those who subscribe via HBO Go or HBO Now and Showtime Anywhere. That's the only place where you truly have that one-on-one -on -one relationship, and you can see what people watch, and you know, you can see a Nielsen rating, but you start to be able to measure. Okay, these people are actually watching. These people are tuning in to this much of it. This, you know, these are the fighters that these people care about. And DAZN is going to have that from day one. They're going to be able to quickly measure is boxing worth it or not. If it's not, they're just going to move on and continue on with soccer or whatever else they're going to do. You know, I, 
I hope that, you know, people – we're going to be in a scenario where the consumer needs to vote both with their time and with their wallet. And, you know, you hope that good boxing comes out of it. But the PBC is in a great spot. I think Fox and ESPN are discovering that boxing actually brings a diverse audience that is highly sought after. It gets a good enough rating. Uh, you know, many times, as I pointed out on, on my top rank ESPN uh, episode, it does better than like Major League Baseball on Monday and Wednesday nights. Like that's nothing to, to sneeze at. Like that's a great number to get and they can sell ads against it. If you watch ESPN right now, you're not seeing the ads that you saw on Friday night fights. You're not seeing just for men. You're seeing like regular ads that you watch during an NFL game. That's really right. important for the health of the sport. They can sell those ads against it. That's great news. So I think given that information, that's what's actually put the pay cablers in a tough spot because ESPN and Fox are realizing, hey, we can actually make money selling ads against this. That's great news. Mm. Uh, to jump in here real quick, I mean, from a fan Please. perspective, uh, the last year, maybe even the last two years on HBO, if HBO ceases to provide boxing coverage, I really don't feel like I'm missing too much. You mentioned the Wilder Ortiz fight as being one of your top fights of the year, if not the top fight of the year. For me, it was Dortico's uh, Gasaev. That's definitely up there near the top. And that was a fight that I had to stream. I think it was a YouTube stream uh, uh, through the World Boxing Super Series, you know, uh, which for whatever reason they didn't decide to pick up. Do you see it, any negatives at all, like if you're looking at it from a fan's perspective of just HBO abandoning boxing and, and focusing on other programs? No, I don't see it as a negative at all. I think people, what people are complaining about right now is there's, you have to go above and beyond and there's too many different streaming services. And my solution all along is like, hey, guys, just drop cable. They're the ones who have always screwed you over the most. Understand that fully. And <laughs> what you used to be paying, it's true, though. It's totally it true. No, I mean, I'm a cord cutter. I, I'm on YouTube TV. I had this yeah, for some time now. Yeah, me too. Start with yeah. YouTube TV, and if you have to get rid of HBO, like, great. I mean, basically ESPN Plus and The Zone are going to be this 15 bucks a month. That's what HBO costs. You get two yeah. for the price of one. That's great, you know? And if The Zone and, H and ESPN Plus do what they say they're going to do, uh, then you're going to get fights like Pacquiao, Matisse, and Crawford Horn, which HBO pay-per-view would charge you 70 bucks for, and you get that for the price of your monthly subscription. That's fantastic. Like, I don't think right, and even, that. I think that's great. Even some of the lesser fights that ESPN Plus has picked up that I've, that I've watched, I mean, they've been really good stuff that, you know, when yeah. I was a teenager growing up, I might have seen on Boxing After Dark. But now in 2018, you know, HBO's not providing me any of that, you know, coverage of, like, the up-and-coming fighters. So that's my question from a fan's perspective. From a, a fighter's perspective or the manager of a fighter's perspective, are there any negatives to, you know, having the outlets being the zone and, and ESPN Plus as opposed to the big what? TV, uh, formerly uh, cable companies or, or, you know, premium cable outlets? So and to that point, I don't – I know this sounds weird that I'm being so positive about the whole thing, and I think, like, yeah. it will end up shaking out 
and it will stabilize at some point. But part of the reason the zone can charge 10 bucks a month and actually spend $125 million uh, a year on boxing. And that may not work out. Maybe that budget ends up being 75. Maybe it ends up being more like, you know, the consumers are going to vote with their wallet. And if they vote, the zone will listen, but the zone doesn't pay a VIG to the cable companies, which HBO and Showtime both do. So right. that's part of that's part of the game, and and hmm. you you can be a court cutter and just get the zone, and they can learn which fighters, what you're interested in, like who, what people really respond to. I mean, Gennady Golovkin, if he becomes a free agent, he's worth a lot of money to the zone. He would drive subscriptions in a real way. I mean, they're in the subscription business, not in the tune-in business. So if you are a fighter that like, to your example, the, the Dortico's-Gastia fight. Yeah. Great fight. I had to watch it on YouTube, like a stream, not YouTube TV, yeah. like a, an actual stream. DAZN is going to have the World Boxing Super Series second season. And right now, I mean, that's one of the major reasons I want to get DAZN. It's, it's such a great tournament. You know, yeah. I, like, I would get it just for that. And then you get Joshua's fights as well. Like you knew eventually those were going to be pay-per-view and now, now they're not, you know, it's, it's fantastic. I think. Um, but I, right. And when I, when I hear about everybody. the kind of contracts that, that the zone is providing, at least through Eddie Hearn. And then I read about what the fight first was for Jaime Munguia's last fight. I'm saying to myself, why, why would anybody even want to fight on HBO at this point? I mean, wasn't it a low well, six six? Person that he had. It, this is the and, and so the the caveat to all this is that mm-hmm. HBO knew going into 2018 it would be a rough year. You get your budget towards the end of 2017 for 2018, and you have certain amount of contractual commitments. And part of the reason you saw Jaime Munguia is because HBO needed to make a good fight and pay a fighter 200 grand or whatever he got paid. And, you know, they just didn't have the budget. That's why you saw Superfly 3 and Superfly 2, because those are good value, you know, for the dollar. That It's not like a couple cards in a row in 2018 changes anything when it comes to budget. Like, just because a couple fans are like, oh, God, I hate all these matchups. The budget got set a while ago, and you had to live with that through the whole year. That's why I actually never thought up until finding out that all these fighters are going to be free agents. I never actually thought HBO would leave the boxing business. And I, I'm still not hundred percent convinced they are. I just think that's a really interesting note that's happening right now. With, with all these alternatives though, it's, it's funny, like Abel Sanchez uh, has said this week in the lead into the fight uh, that nobody wants to pay 90 bucks to see somebody run. I don't think anybody wants to pay 90 bucks period. I think people no. are yeah. tired of it. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah. why is this think, fight you know, eighty four ninety nine? Because they can. The first fight, you know, we could argue who won. I mean, not really. I mean, we all pretty much agreed Triple G did, but I don't think there's any question. It wasn't that good of a fight, was it? I didn't think it was that great. If the right guy had won, would we be having a rematch, an immediate one? I guess if it was contractually obligated, yes, but that would be the only reason, based on I mean, the look, fight I, we saw. I, just to build on that game, I mean, sorry, go ahead, Evan. No, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say half the drama was the controversy with the scorecard, right? And then the other, right. ha- the other half of the drama has been the shit show about the testing, right? <laughs> I mean, none yeah. of the drama has been about the actual quality of the first fight. It was 
the controversy followed by another controversy. That's so dead on. <laughs> I'm not saying it was a bad fight, uh, but it was kind of like uh, somebody had written about Deloia Trinidad. It, it, you know, fight of the millennium. It wasn't even fight of the week. Um, so you, you know, guys uh, are such hardcore fans. I love it. You guys are such hardcore fans. This this has <laughs> all been about the sell to the casual, not just the casual boxing fan, the casual sports fan. And sure. not only are these these are guys that that have that platform, you can get behind them. They're they're big enough fighters that you sell this fight as such a big fight, and it works. And and I'm actually so one of the things that has frustrated me is I, I've, uh, this promotion all along for the second fight has has been very frustrating. I think there's been a lot of mistakes that have been made a, a, along the way. I will certainly get into much greater detail about it on my show tonight, but I, I, I think you, you guys look at this as this is just another fight that's good, but with bigger names. And I've seen fights of higher quality with lesser names that people just don't know about, but this is the sell to the general public. Like that's what you guys are missing. And the general public is just conditioned for a couple times a year when this gets put in front of them and packaged as sold as, as the big fight, they want to watch it. That's that's just how it works. Uh, sure. Yeah. Well, then they throw in the patriotism and you know Mexican independence and all of that stuff. What, I've got a question for you, Evan. You know, I was watching first take today. It was on when I was working out. What incentive does ESPN as a network have to send Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman and whatever out to Vegas to cover the fight? I've I've always wondered that. Like. They're not they're not broadcasting the fight, obviously, and aren't they a direct competitor to HBO in boxing? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, they've got a live studio set up in Vegas to cover the fight. I, I just have never understood that. So it's all about the ratings. Like, First Take is a show that profiles uh, perfectly for people who are going to watch the fight. Uh, in terms of who the audience is and, and what they're excited about. And so the cost of, of, of sending the show out there, I think you plan when you're doing a studio show like that, you plan on a couple of those per year, uh, just sort of in the budget. But I think this, you, you, they probably look at it as uh, ratings for the show will actually go up if they're out there for it, um, because this is a big enough event to warrant that. Got it. So, yeah, I, I wish I had a better I mean, you, answer than that, but that's the answer. Yeah. So do you think, no, I mean, answer. looking back at HBO and, and what they might do, like you said, the, the budgets come out soon, but it's, you know, when you look at what's left for them, a lot of people have been very critical of Peter Nelson not making the big fights or, you know, doing this and that, but what has he really had to pick from? It seems like a, he's kind of got the leftovers of the buffet, you know, Peter's so, been put in a really tough position. There's no question about it. Uh, Peter's a really smart guy, and yeah. he's an easy target for a lot of this stuff. But but uh, Peter is not the person who decides on the budget, unfortunately. Um, I've always liked to you have a great fights, point. You know, and fighters. Yeah, like, no, I, I think he, he he you know back in the day. I mean, he he was the guy who brought Triple G in. I mean, that's that's why we're mm-hmm. seeing this fight right now. You know, he he, he bring made, in Sergio Martinez as well. Uh, I think he, so. Sergio was before his time. Okay. Sergio was before his time. He, certainly, uh, with him. Kirkland Angulo was his fight. 
Oh, got it, yeah. Yeah. I remember him asking me yeah. about it. Uh, just lower, fit, lower, know, when he was having his whole immigration lower thing. Lower weight classes in general. Lower weight classes in general has been something he he was very supportive of. Uh, so a lot of those fights at like 130 pounds and below, uh, he's he's been incredibly supportive of. Um, no, he look, he's been put in a tough position. He doesn't, you know, the, it clearly, uh, and, and Lou DiBella has talked about this intelligently, clearly the corporate commitment element. I mean, the, the Time Warner wanted to sell the company and everyone had to tighten their purse strings. And when... You know, when the time comes for HBO to do that, Game of Thrones is not going to face a budget cut. Docs and <laughs> boxing and movies and stuff like that is. That's just the the reality. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, 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 and there's, there's, there's not been a reason that, that hasn't happened at Showtime, I guess. Yeah, no one's, no one's been trying to sell CBS. <laughs> so, yeah. Les Moonves has made it very profitable. So, uh, yeah. You know, in addition to his support for it, Steven Espinoza has gone on record many times, I think very intelligently, by pointing to evidence that the boxing programming there has been very successful. Um, and there is research, you know, everyone's going to have research that shows that. And, and that's, but, you know, it won't be up, it'll be up to the next person in charge. Look how that's, hard it is just, for HBO to get a, a unified champion in, in every division. I'm just looking at, you know, uh, fight news. I always have it up during the show, their boxing rankings. And you just look across the board. It's like, well, they're not getting the heavyweight division. Um, nope. Cruiserweight seems pretty much covered elsewhere. Uh, well, they passed on that one. That's their yeah. own doing. Yeah. And then, well, you know, they didn't, didn't want to cover it. The, the timing of HBO lowering their boxing budget was really unfortunate because – they were always able in the past to lower the boxing budget if needed on a short-term basis, but then raise it back up. And this time they lowered the budget and no one knew DAZN existed and they came into the picture and no one had an idea that ESPN would invest heavily in the sport and kudos to top rank for convincing them to do that. Also kudos to the PBC for even offering the first wave of statistical evidence that people actually watch big fights. Um, and, and that's kind of how it started, but, the, but they opened the door previously, every time they've opened the door, no one has sought that opportunity. And now there's a lot of companies, you know, trying to get into the boxing business. It's great for fighters. It's great for managers. It's not great for HBO. How is what, Eddie Hearn is doing and what Bob Arum is doing different than what Al Heyman was doing with the PBC initially. You, know, you got a lot of flack for quote unquote, trying to monopolize the sport and cut everyone out. He got sued, but I mean, you know, you look at top ranks deal with ESPN and, and uh, I, I don't know. And, and, and with the zone, which seems kind of like a hostile force in some ways, like I am willing to sign all your guys that are working, you know, uh, not with a promoter, but just with the PBC. Like he looks, like he wants everybody. Uh, how come he's not getting the same flack that Al got? Is it is it uh, that different of a model? I, I think it's just because we haven't seen results yet. I mean, it, you know, let's see what happens with Eddie Hearn. But they're doing subtly different things. So it's like the zone is in the subscriber business. So part of that is putting on 
fights that hardcore fight fans just can't say no to, like kind of stacking the cards. You're already seeing that, even though they don't have a roster that is full of great fighters yet. I think eventually that will start to change. But uh, they're in the subscriber business. So it's keeping those hardcore fight fans happy, and then it's essentially putting pay-per-view fights on the subscription service in a way where you're not paying pay-per-view prices for them, kind of following that WWE network model. And then the third part about it is starting to offer other sports. I'm guessing soccer is going to be the next big thing where Mm -hmm. the casual fan of both sports just eventually says, screw it. This is good enough for me. I'll watch some boxing and I'll watch some soccer and I'm happy with paying 10 bucks a month for it. I'm going to add in the fourth one. It's probably going to be a little controversial, but look, I've recognized it. You know, there's actually a lot of racism in social media. And, uh, you know, Al Heyman, granted, he made a lot of mistakes, but I saw him doing a lot of the same stuff that Aram and other promoters have done. But the social media, you know, they're not even closeted racists. You just come out of, come out and just are, are against them. And, you know, it may be an unpopular view to me to say this, but I think a lot of the negativity Heyman has faced is because of that. And this is coming from someone who has not liked the PBC. Well, Sorry it's to interesting, too. Sorry you know, to throw uh, that grenade in there, Gabe. But I, no, I, I think I, when you're talking about the U.S. market, you, you can't discount that. Yeah. Uh, um, we're a racist country. It's just in our yeah. roots. And, you know, uh, roots, you know, bear the fruit. You know, uh, it, it's just what it is. But uh, I, I think with Al... I don't know, people maybe thought it was hostile because he signed so many fighters at once, but imagine if Al had all of a sudden signed the World Boxing Super Series who just bought it lock, stock, and barrel, and, you know, if something like that existed, like, and just bought it and said, no, I'm going to put it on my network, and, and you know, people would have, I think, gotten mad at him about it. Um, yeah. And I would also say this, that of, of the, I consider him a promoter. Uh, people say the PBC isn't a promotion. I, I'd say they're fooling themselves. Um, it's definitely a promotion. Yeah, he's got. Yeah, he's a, you know, I he mean, there's is, no question. He's a promoter. Yeah. Uh, Tom Hauser's wonderful article, uh, notwithstanding, about how they've had like one positive in like 1,500 tests, uh, which seems pretty impossible. Unless, of course, you don't do CIR on every sample, which is what Renee Ann Shirley brought up uh, today on Twitter. Um, but, you know, he did institute USADA program. His fighters do go through it. Uh, Porter Garcia was doing VADA testing. Um, and that was part of the clean boxing program. Like Al is held to a higher standard. Like I'll always report on his stuff, but like top ranks, not all their fighters are doing VADA. He's not forcing everybody to do drug testing. As far as I know, uh, all the other promoters, some of them do it. Some of them don't. Uh, they kind of waver depending on the fight. Maybe there's a racial component. I don't know. I, uh, certainly Twitter is, it can be a, a very racist place. I was, but just, it's I was thinking purely about social media. <laughs> and even honestly, yeah. some, sometimes the words I used to hear callers calling in and describing him as, I'm like, really? Have you met the guy? I mean, he's just a businessman. We don't really need to be, you know, using those adjectives to describe the guy. You know, he hasn't committed any major crimes, other, I guess, than the Muhammad Ali Act, but I I digress. He hasn't even gone on the record. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Anyway, you know, but... I, I think it's a social media thing. One of my favorite, uh, what, one of my favorite moments at HBO was we were looking, and I can't even remember which fight this was for. We, we were looking at audience numbers. 
for one of Andre Ward's fights, thinking that uh, he would do okay. well in terms of African-American viewership. And it turned out uh, his fight had uh, much higher numbers in, in Hispanic uh, viewership than African-American. And we were just like, well, who knows? I mean, like, and honestly, who cares? You know, like, it's it d- does it really matter? Like, let's just, That's interesting. you know, promote him as a great fighter. It, yeah. I th- you know, that could have been that could have been a one off. But I think I think it's a social media. Certainly the way they look at it in all these bigger companies, that, that's for social media. That's great. You guys do your thing over there. And I'm not saying you two specifically. I'm just saying whoever wants to be racist on social media, go, go do that. But, you know, we're in the boardroom. We're trying to make money. And let's let's figure out which fighters are popular, why they're popular, who watches them. Like, let, let's do it that way. No, and I think the Hispanic uh, demographic, me being part of that, is, has always been one of the most loyal and, you know, fervent communities yep. in terms of watching boxing. Yep. We I also sport, are not certainly. above a good, a, a good hate watch every now and again, too. You know, <laughs> this <fans>. is true. <laughs> Just uh, <laughs> speaking from experience. But uh, uh, what about uh, – let me ask you one more thing, and we'll get to the fight at hand. We do have some callers on the line, and we want to get to everybody. We've got another hour here to go. If, and you don't have to stay the whole time, Evan. I, I, I wanted to get some specific takes, but you can if you want to. Um, uh, Terrence Crawford. Uh, do you think he's going to be, ever become the star that that he could be? Uh, that I think he could be. I mean, I I don't know if he's got the the full like charismatic personality, but I like his quiet confidence and I love the way he fights. People do. Or do you think he's kind of a victim of this of being in this weird transition moment where he was kind of being built up on HBO and now he's moved to ESPN, you know, uh, and and is kind of going through that you know th- this transition period, this kind of experimental time. Uh, which is really the way it's going to always be in the future or, or be for a long time is the streaming. Uh, do you think he's a victim of that? Do you think he can recover from that? Uh, do you think it, any of what I'm saying is valid? Amilcar, what's your take as a hardcore fan? I'd love to hear you first. You know, Terrence Crawford is an interesting case because, you know, they tried to kind of showcase him here where I live in New York. And I'd say it wasn't, a, you know, a great success, but it was, it was successful. I can definitely see him gaining a national audience. And personally, I think that the move to ESPN is a good thing. I think that the problem that he might have faced is that it wasn't on regular ESPN, that it was on um, ESPN+. Plus. So I don't think a lot of ESPN's, you know, regular boxing viewership would have seen uh, his first fight on ESPN+. Plus. I think had he fought on ESPN, he would have had a much um, bigger impact uh, than he's had this year. I don't know. What do you think, Evan? So I think 50,000 viewers on ESPN Plus, and I don't know that that's the number, but I'm just mm-hmm. throwing this out there. I'd say 50 or 75,000 viewers on ESPN Plus is worth more than 800,000 viewers on ESPN for someone like Terrence Crawford. If he's in, if he wants to truly be a big star he's got to start building people who are hardcore Terrence Crawford fans. He is an interesting guy and he's gotten a lot better at doing the media stuff, but he's never going to be a true pay-per-view superstar with his personality. It's going to be the level of competition he fights and who he beats. And if he's viewed as the guy, you know, the number one guy out there, that's what's going to do it for him. 
And so I think the goal is get, yes, you want to do, you know, his next fight I think is going to be on ESPN plus or ESPN regular. I don't think fighting on ESPN plus hurts him at all. I think that's that the audience that's going to pay for him is the hardcore um, and, and the casual boxing fan, but he may never cross over into the casual sports fan the way that Canelo and Triple G are doing right now. And, you know, I, I think that's what he's got to do. He's just got to keep winning those big fights. I think ESPN is a great place for him, but eventually they're going to have to pay money to get some of those TVC welterweights over and to fight him. Yeah, you know, he's definitely not the most charismatic, but then you look at someone who's very charismatic um, in Deontay Wilder, and I'm kind of paraphrasing Eddie Hearn here, but, you know, it, he hasn't been very well promoted, despite the fact that he's out there and, you know, in social media, promoting himself, doing the regular radio station runs here in New York City. One thing I will say about Crawford, though, is that he has been more active recently on social media, kind of going at other boxers, whether it's uh, Errol Spence or um, there was a really entertaining one with him on Twitter with uh, um, Garcia. I mean, before Garcia lost his last fight, but he's been putting himself out there a little bit more recently. I don't know if that's his own initiative or whether he's got, you know, his backers are pushing him to do it, but that that's going to be kind of important, I think, as well in terms of the hardcore, you know, social media kind of fan base. I think it's super important. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And I think the other thing that, we, you know, we didn't talk about, on, when he fought on ESPN+, Plus, he got paid $3 million bucks. He was scheduled when that fight was supposed to be on ESPN. He was supposed to make 1.75 million. Wow! And you know I that you said corrected. <laughs> you know that like you're you're gonna even if those people didn't watch you, you're walking away with another million. You know, 1.25 million. Take that money. Take yeah. that money. I mean, that you know, if I've ever had a consistent message to fighters, take the money. Don't like, <laughs> don't let ego or pride get in the way. Like, take the these streaming servers are coming at you. It, it, does it matter whether you fight in front of 150,000 people or you know 1.5 million on a Fox Saturday night where it's basically the same you know zombies who would be watching a cops rerun? Like, take the money, take it, right. sock it away, save it. Like, get paid. Absolutely. Yeah, this is you know true. this is real money they're writing those checks like. You know, and I and I give credit to that, that part of the reason I credit Al Heyman and, and Top Rank and you know, Top Rank first. But once it's one thing when you have a good relationship with an executive at Showtime or HBO, and they can just sort of come up with one of those. You know, I think the classic one was the Andre Berto, Freddie Hernandez fight, where Berto got like a million bucks. His opponent got like a hundred thousand, and it was, you know, a, a super quick, boring, not interesting fight. Like that's one thing. When you're fighting on ESPN or you're fighting on Fox, there's actual numbers that justify you getting paid that much because they're selling ads against it. Like that's right. where you've really proven it. And it, you know, it's not just some network executive making up a number for you, you know, doing you a favor or whatever. Like that's you're you're proving your worth. So kudos to both of them for making those deals and, and let's hope they're successful. All right. And, uh, just wrapping it back around the big fight this weekend, uh, Gennady Golovkin 
versus Saul Canelo Alvarez uh, at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. Who you guys got? Can we do pay-per-view expectations too? Sure. Yeah. Give me the. What do you think? Let's, let's hear that. Is, is this the last gasp, or is this like a record breaker? Uh, so who who's going first? Who's going first? I'll go I'll go Evan first. Okay. I think I I think Gennady Golovkin wins a close unanimous decision uh, for a variety of factors. I think he won the first fight. I I do accept six to six in, in rounds as a completely legitimate scorecard. I scored it to Gennady Golovkin. I think ring rust. I think the knee surgery. Those are big enough questions for me when it comes to Canelo. And hmm. I think a, a better game plan. I also think Golovkin did not fight a great game plan. I think if he has a better game plan coming in, he wins the fight. Either same range, eight to four, seven to five in a round, something like that. I expect it to go to the distance. I think it does 1.3 million pay-per-view buys. Wow. That seems reasonable. I'm just, I think it does the well, exact same number it did last time. That's 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 basically what it did last time. Uh, I guess depending on which report you read, it might have done 1.2. It may have done 1.4. Let's call it in between at 1.3. I think it does the same level. Hmm. You don't think the the controversy infl- inflates it at all? I think if the controversy was something that people talked about in the month of August when it was completely dead. You know, I'll talk about this tonight again. If we learned anything from Mayweather McGregor, we learned that if you can dominate the talk in the month of August when nothing is going on in the mainstream sports world, your pay-per-view numbers are going to blow up. And that didn't happen for Golovkin and Canelo. It just didn't happen. Well, that's, yeah. They're not exactly the most dynamic personalities in the world, you know, uh, and the controversy had gone. I think they got so tired, both of them, of, of it. Uh, all the the media attention surrounding the positive, and then uh, Golovkin went through a, you know a promotion, and then they come back around, and, and all the coverage of the negotiations. I imagine it made it hard for them to really push this fight. Uh, but they've you know they've been doing their due diligence this week. I I am curious to see. Uh, maybe they should have like I don't know. Yeah, um, I mean Oscar did try saying he's going to run for the president. Maybe that was a a, <laughs> of a hot take to get a few more. No, uh, I, we'll I get into that, that later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, roll, roll your eyes at that. Everyone working on the promotion stuck their head in the ground for that one, trust me. But uh, I'd love to hear what you guys think. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I'm, I watch pretty much everything as it relates to boxing. But I'm not really that uh, excited about the fight based on the first encounter. Um, and because of that, I'm actually hoping that Canelo somehow, um, you know, pulls out a miraculous performance and does something special and wins. You know, if I ask you, Gabe, who Gennady's best victory so so far is, who, who, what would you say? Like, what would be the, the name that comes to the top of your head? Um, a fight that I didn't think he won, uh, Danny Jacobs. Yeah, I mean, a very uh, close fight, but- right? So I wouldn't call that his best performance. I guess maybe the Kel Brook fight, although some people said we Blown got hit a lot. Let's, let's right. go down the list. Um, Dominic Wade. Uh, 
David Lemieux. Didn't so, have you seen Dominic Wade in an interesting fight since that loss? Uh, I haven't seen him in a fight since that loss. Uh, David Lemieux. Uh, okay, got absolutely schooled by Billy Joe Saunders. Yeah, William Monroe, and he's been stopped before. Uh, William Monroe Jr. Also schooled by Billy Joe Saunders. I mean, I'm just not yeah. impressed by by his by his track record. I'm just not. It's, you know, yeah. Gano- uh, Alvarez actually pointed at pointed that out. I mean, and this is coming from someone who you'll know this, Gabe, because I used to call in and, and say this stuff. I was very critical about Alvarez's kind of um, past wins, especially his first title win. You know, at that catch weight when he fought, uh, I think it was Matthew Haddon. Um, yeah. I mean, I thought that fight was an absolute farce. But since then, Alvarez has faced a much higher level of opposition. Granted, it's been at a lower weight class, but I just, if you look up and down Triple G's record, you know, I just am not impressed by any of his victories. You know, you're more impressed so, by kind of what he did more than who he beat, right? And sure, I'll tell you who else point. I'm not very that, impressed with, uh, Abel, uh, Abel Sanchez. I mean, where was the advice? Evan, I agree with you. If he comes with an, in with a, a new game plan, and, you know, does something different than he did the first time off of learning from, you know, mistakes that were made in the ring. You, you know, you may expect Triple G to win, but, Gabe, did you see anything in that last fight in terms of game planning or, you know, adjustments being made or good advice being given in the corner by, by Sanchez? I no, certainly didn't. You know, although, to be fair, you know, we don't get all the audio. I'd like to hear, you know, True. the whole thing. But, uh but I saw the same mistakes happening where Canelo kept escaping out the side. I didn't see, um, you know, the, the, being, the ability to cut off the ring and, and then do something about it when Canelo was on the ropes. Triple G looked like, you know, when you've, you've watched a guy a bunch of times, you have a few things that you're going to be trying on him, particularly in, you know, in certain situations. And it didn't feel like there was a thing that, that Golovkin had decided to be doing whenever Triple G or whenever Canelo went to the ropes, if that makes sense. Um, He's going to need to do that. I mean, like, I agree if he has a new game plan, he could do better. But, you know, my question to that is, is what is what could that game plan possibly be? He's looked the same twice in a row, didn't throw body shots, looking a little bit like he can't quite pull the trigger all the way. And if you give him some movement, it throws him off his game and makes him reset. You see, Abel, Abel Sanchez's comments have been illuminating to me. I mean, he wants Alvarez to – be a Mexican, fight Mexican style, you know, fight him, not run for 12 rounds. I'll tell right. you what, I honestly think Alvarez learned a lot. He was quite young when he fought Mayweather, but I think he learned a lot, you know, in terms of how to fight defensively, the importance of good counterpunching, quick uh, counterpunches, uh, you know, moving out of the way, kind of twisting your hips, your, your shoulders. I, I see him coming in lighter for this fight. I think the photos that we've seen are more, you know, training and preparation than they are not being on clenbuterol. And, again, this is someone who was quite skeptical at first about the tainted meat argument. I think that his plan is going to be to be lighter, uh, have a better cardiorespiratory respir- uh, endurance, to stay on his toes, to counter counterpunch, to, you know, pot shot, and to do a kind of a Mayweather impersonation over 12 rounds, that's honestly what I see Can- Canelo trying to do to Triple G and trying to frustrate mm-hmm. him. 
try to get to that body, maybe tire him out. I mean, Triple G, this is his, you know, if he goes the distance here, it'll be the third time that he did. He went to the distance for the first time, championship distance against um, Danny Jacobs, the second time against uh, Canelo Alvarez. Um, Guys that Canelo weren't fighting gone, weight classes over their regular weight. Right. Uh, and guys that are experienced at going the distance. Danny had gone the distance once before and gotten a stoppage in that 12th round. Um, I think he'd gone the, the full distance one other time. I could be wrong. Uh, but Canelo's uh, done it like a, with him. He's been going the distance since he was at 147, as far as I know, Canelo. Uh, yep. He's very experienced at it. So yeah, I am curious to see um, if he has a better performance, but he's on the VADA this whole time. What are people going to say? Is that well, stigma ever going to leave him? I think it should have already left. I mean, um, I heard Amir Khan saying some ridiculous things in an interview yeah. with Sky the, uh, the other day about uh, Canelo and his psychological state going into this rematch. Um, but I'll tell you one last thing about, about Canelo, uh, sorry, about Golovkin that I thought was kind of illuminating as well. It was his decision to just drop the IBF title. I was like, bro, I thought you were all about the belts, right? But now you're, t- right. you're bringing out Vonis Bartiroshin to, to beat up on him when you could have taken a fight against uh, Devrinchenko and kept your title. What, what about your psychological state? What was the reason for not taking that fight? Because, I mean, Luda Bella if was on I, the I record saying that they were ready to take it. Pardon me? If I can if I can jump in just on that. Oh, yeah, go, go, go for it. Gonna make, Please. He, he, he's going to make... He's going to make over $40 million bucks to fight Canelo, no question, this time. So right. you, you, you got to – that is probably more money than he's made in the rest of his career combined. And sure. no, matter, no matter what kind of legacy you want, um, it, you, know, you know, I didn't even talk about Golovkin as a free agent poss- you know, possibility. I guess I did a little bit, but look – if if Danny Jacobs wins the Derevchenko fight, and Billy Joe Saunders, you know, versus Andre, those are DAZN fights. He can he can unify real quickly if he goes over to DAZN. He can unify real quickly if he wins this fight. So there's a lot of money, and there's still uh, a, a way for him to unify and and have that legacy moment. Uh, so I, I think you just sometimes if you're Tom, you got to protect you know, your fighter from, from generational life-changing money. Well, you've also got and, to protect, and, protect him from a natural, a natural, a welter, sorry, middleweight by putting him in against a guy who's much smaller and is not much of a threat. That's how I saw mm-hmm. it. You know, not mm-hmm. to be overly argumentative here, but I, I, it told me a lot, you know, because all of a sudden, and again, Gabe can attest to this, He's, he's done these call-in shows for some time now. Triple G was the guy that nobody wanted to fight. Triple G was the, you know, indestructible force, the immovable object, the, the guy would, who would take on anybody who didn't care about money, who was all about the belts. But then when his belt was on the line, he dropped it, and he fought a guy who, who was moving up in weight, right? When the guy that he could have defended a title against would have taken would have the same money. Fight that, for the fans. Right? It were, I would have been much more interested in that fight as a fan than in, than in the, the blowout that we saw versus Martyrosian. I don't know about you, Gabe. What do you think? I agree with you. I, I was very critical of the move. I understand Evan's point completely because 
is a hashtag and a marketing plan uh, and really, you know, a campaign slogan, like a legit one, until you hit 35, 36, and uh, you've got a guy in front of you like Canelo that can make you the kind of money you're looking at. Um, and, you know, if, you know, to defend Golovkin a little bit more, he didn't test positive twice and cancel their fight. Uh, and however anybody feels about the evidence and scientists say there's really no way to tell one way or the other if there was use or not. And no journalist out there has uh, unearthed a program or a drug man or anything else related to that. I'm waiting for somebody to do that. And then we can actually talk about if Canelo is a cheater or not. All we know is he tested positive for something that has a history of getting, uh, you know, people exonerated because uh, there's a contamination history. Uh, that's all we know. Well, and we the, also and know what else? The, you know, the court, properties. What's that? The, and the, the other point on that is had, had the fight taken place in New York, uh, based on what we saw from the, from the Eric Morales uh, issue, we oh, wouldn't yeah. be talking about this right now. We'd be talking about whoever won the May 5th fight fighting yeah. and trying to unify on this date right now. Uh, so I think that's another argument. I give, hmm. I'm obviously more lenient on, on Golovkin for that. Um, and, and, you know, on the competition thing, you guys are absolutely right. Look, he's, he has not fought the level of competition. He's an eye test fighter, uh, not a resume fighter the same way Canelo is, but who ha- is there anyone in the sport right now who has Canelo's resume? I mean, Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence are also eye test fighters right now. They don't have a resume anywhere close right, to that. Right, and they're no about the does. same age. They're also about the same age as them. I mean, yeah. he's just got so, an incredible resume. That this is true. Well, and also yeah. to be so, fair, you know, Canelo's biggest best wins are against guys coming up in weight. You know, that's when it's clear. Miguel Cotto, uh, Amir Khan. Uh, which was not coming up in weight, but had fought in a bit of time, was not fighting with Ann Wolf, uh, seemed to my eyes uh, not quite ready for, uh, for Canelo. Uh, just not Matt, quite ready Matt for the Matthew had it in his first, in his first title. <laughs> in a catchweight bout that Canelo missed. Um, but also, I thought he lost uh, the Lara fight. You could argue he lost the Trout well. fight. You I know? did as well, um, yep. Shane Mosley's a big win no, for and him. And there's no way he won... Uh, he won he should have won on one of the scorecards against Mayweather. No. Yeah, well, well I, I picked the draw. Yeah. I was hoping that we'd get it. But uh, yeah. Shane Mosley is also the first fight, I believe, that uh, you know since that, that uh, Canelo did extra testing or third-party testing. He did, he asked for Vada testing. Wasn't that on the uh, it was a, a, on a Mayweather card undercard, and they were doing USADA, but Canelo decided to do Vada testing. Um, so you know that, and that was at a time when only Floyd was really doing that, and his opponents. Uh, everyone else uh, was was about to, but hadn't yet. Lamont Peterson, I think, had just story was about to break, like in uh, May or June, uh, in the Con rematch, and Andre Berto for the Ortiz rematch. But uh, people forget that that Canelo has always been a proponent of anti-doping. Uh, you know, granted, he could be, you know, what people like myself theorized Floyd was doing and that he's controlling the window and doing who knows what in between. But but the the fact remains. So anyway, so I, I digress. Um, who stands? Who, who? Let me ask you this one final thing and we'll get to some callers. Um, who is it better for uh, who, who should win in terms of the health of boxing in the future? Who is it better for? 
uh, you know, if Golovkin wins, is that better for boxing? Or if Canelo wins, is that better for boxing? Or does it depend on how? I think it, I think it depends on if either of them are willing to face Billy Joe Saunders. Because I feel that if they, they don't Andre. fight... With, pardon me? The winner of Dimitri or uh, Dimitri Andre is Billy Joe Saunders. Yeah, maybe I'm maybe I'm foretelling my my pick in that fight a little bit too much. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just think I think and it's Andrade. He's not gonna convince me otherwise. But I, <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry, Gabe. It, it's been pronounced that way in Portugal and Spain for like too many hundreds of years. I, it's tough for me to just start doing it another way any anyways um yeah i i just think he's been too too inactive for too long um and that billy joe saunders is just a high level fighter but yeah if either of those guys avoids billy joe or whoever wins that fight i don't see a win by either of them as being quite healthy to be honest so i think for me the answer to that question is which of the two is more like more likely to fight Billy Joe if if they win. For the for the health of the sport, yeah, uh, I think it's which which fighter ends up going if they're free agents and they go somewhere else. Which fighter goes and makes either a streaming service or a, a an ESPN or a Fox uh, a much more viable boxing program that that you know is going to last for years. If Golovkin wins and he goes to DAZN and they get enough subscriptions to give us boxing for the next eight years, then let's do it. Let's see. If Canelo goes there too, great if he wins. I don't see Canelo winning and going there because they don't have pay-per-view. So, you know, you're ending up – That's I know you're just putting everybody in a weird spot of rooting for DAZN to succeed, uh, but I, I'm rooting for DAZN to succeed. I think – the way Eddie Hearn is doing fights is going to work out best for fight fans. I love getting the the World Boxing Super Series. Um, it, it, I think as a the fan, getting, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm, ahead, I think ahead, yeah. should be rooting for them to succeed. And to be honest, I know he gets a lot of heat in the UK. I used to live out in the UK, uh, actually before kind of he came to the scene. But you know, people out there quite critical and sarcastic generally. But I. I I think he's by far the best promoter in boxing. And yeah. the fact that he was able to Great. put together a fight with, with Billy Joe, uh, w- in which, you know, his arch nemesis really in Frank Warren is the promoter of Billy Joe, speaks to how well a, a, how good a promoter this guy is. You know, not to mention the fact that he's kind of come to the United States and made such a big splash. You know, it, and, and it, look, the same thing. If Canelo wins and ends up at ESPN or Fox or whatever, and, and that gives us great boxing on that, you know, platform, then great. That's what I want to happen. That's really, for the health of the sport, it's not necessarily who wins, it's what happens next. Uh, and, and that's going to be huge. If, if, you know, if, we go, if this ends up being, if Canelo goes to ESPN and, and this ends up being ESPN's, foray into pay-per-view and all we get is a bunch of pay-per-views from here on, on out, then I hope Golovkin wins. I hope he goes to zone. I hope we never have to pay for a pay-per-view again. And I hope it's all successful for nine ninety nine a month. I'm really happy with that. Are you, I agree, Evan, but are you saying that you think that Fox or ESPN would, is planning to do pay-per-views? Like, would they do that? If that that's what they've said. Yeah. That's yeah. What they've said. That's, that's what they've said. That's not good at all. No. 
So, I th- you know, and, and the, there's the benefit of seeing it on free TV. I guess ESPN is not technically free, but if you're getting UTV, you're getting it. Uh, but, you know, yeah, you're going to still – and I think that's what – especially with ESPN, because they have that ESPN Plus level of this is bigger than an ESPN fight, but not quite pay-per-view. It's, it's, it's carving out what is a pay-per-view fight. And I have no problem – if there's a million people willing to spend 70 bucks for a fight – that's the point where I think the hardcore fans just need to realize, look, there's too much money at stake for the fighters. I want the fighters to get paid. I'll pay 70 bucks for this. Fine. But what, what drives me crazy, the 250000 by pay-per-views, that stuff's got to be on DAZN. That stuff's got to be on ESPN+. I think the economics can work that way. And if they do, that saves the consumer a ton of money. What drives me crazy about pay-per-views is what Gabe said earlier, which is that they cost so much from, you know, the consumer standpoint. One thing that I noticed when I was in the U.K. is that their pay-per-views are a lot less. Um, you know, they're a lot cheaper. But then they also sell commercials during the pay-per-views, which I yep. found kind of annoying, but at least they weren't. They didn't cost so much. If Fox or ESPN goes the pay-per-view uh, route, do you do you see them – charging the same price for pay-per-views or would we see kind of more reasonably reasonably priced pay-per-views like they have in England? Well, they're going to have to charge that unless they figure out a way to cut out the cable companies. They're just going to have to. You know, I I think if you cut out the cable companies, you can dramatically reduce. You can make more money and dramatically reduce the price of pay-per-views both at the same time. But until someone figures out how to do that, uh, then we're, we're just going to keep getting gouged. But you've mentioned in the past, like on your podcast, it's kind of WWE model, right? Or uh, that's, I think maybe that's what, UFC that's what I'm does something for. like that as well, don't they? That's that's what I'm hoping for. The WWE, uh, you get you pay ten bucks a month, and you get all of their pay per views for ten bucks a month. Even the big events that normally would cost fifty or sixty bucks on pay per view, you get them for ten bucks a month. Right, and you'd watch them through like Roku or Apple TV or whatever the case. Yeah, you can. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, I, I have an Amazon Fire Stick at home. I watch all the ESPN Plus stuff on that. It looks great. Yeah, same here. Well, I think that's yeah, that's, so, that's that's the way to go. You know, at least from a fan's perspective. Well, then, then, then you're probably rooting for the winner to go to to DAZN or or to ESPN Plus and and not fight on ESPN pay per view. That's that's what you're rooting for for the health of the sport. Yeah, well, and yeah. it's you know it's it's interesting. It's like you know if it's Canelo, what waters does he want to swim in? He'll be the middleweight champion of the world. He could probably both of them. The healthiest thing is to find a way to fight each other again, depending on how the fight is. There's no moments where Canelo gets hurt, but he. He boxes and, and throws a few more punches, like 20% more offense. I think he needs to do, um, let his hand go. You know, If Triple G decides to go to the body more, that's going to leave him uh, shots to counter upstairs or, or back to the body himself, see how that, that works out. But, you know, does he want to fight, um, Re, you know, Ryota Murata? Can he go do that? What network can he go do that on? Um, is he going to fight the winner of Billy Joe Saunders, Demetrius Andrade, or, or Danny Jacobs, Dervinchenko? You know, just, is Canelo interested, and in, can he just is he happy being at HBO and just being in that 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 universe, or you know, does he want to explore a universe where he can fight Jamal Charlo? Probably not. So it, it's gonna be really interesting. I, I 
uh, I haven't made my pick yet. I want to save it till the end uh, and, and talk to a few more callers. But uh, Evan, if you want to stick on the line or if you want to jam, uh, that, that's up to you. Uh, Emil Carr, same. Um, um, I'm enjoying you guys writing uh, Copilot here uh, in the absence of Dave. So I'll just leave it to you. I, I unfortunately have to go. I will listen to the rest of the show. Great stuff. Milkar, you, you're an incredibly intelligent boxing fan. Uh, keep watching, man. Keep watching. Thanks, Evan, man, and I'll keep listening to the show as always. It's been great speaking to you. I, I appreciate it. Same here. Yeah, man, great stuff, Evan. Thanks so much for, for sharing your time and your knowledge. I, I just I love sitting back and, and just listening to somebody and, and just learning from them, and uh, I do every time, uh, every time you're on the show and every time I listen to yours. So uh, good stuff, man. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. I appreciate it, guys. All right. Bye. My pleasure. Yeah, I don't mind hanging tight, Gabe. All right, cool. Uh, we got like 35 minutes to go. I don't know if we'll use it all, but uh, we got three callers on the line. 510, you're live on Leave It in the Ring. Hey, Gabe. Hey, Milk Horse. Fernando here in Richmond. How you guys doing? I'm What's good, up, Fernando. Man? Thank you. Good. Good. Glad to hear it, man. I always like listening to Milk Horse, man, for a while. Uh, and of course, you see you. And I like that podcast, too. Um, yeah, man. I was gonna, I know you guys have been chewing over, yeah, dude. You guys have been uh, kind of chewing over the, the, the fight coming up this weekend, so I don't know how much more I want to talk about. Or you guys should talk about that. But I was, if well, it's okay with you, can we go back in like a month? Like, just to talk about some sure, other fights that yeah. we haven't had to talk about? When we talk about the, it, I'll, I have a specific question I'll ask you about Triple G uh, when we get back to it. But, yeah, jump back a month. Yeah, did you, uh, you, I know you went to um, to Burning Man, so maybe you didn't get to watch it. But uh, did it, did you get to see the Isaac uh, Dogbo fight, uh, Mukar? What did you think of Isaac Dogbo? Dogbo. Man, I've been a fan of that kid since the first time I saw him. Um, I mean, just an incredible, like vibrant personality uh, from this yeah. ring walk into the ring to you know. His his uh, his attire to obviously the way he fought, and in the first fight I saw, he got knocked down and came back, and then kind of just bludgeoned the guy until the other guy you know couldn't take it anymore. His second performance to me was even more dominating. I'm I'm a huge mm-hmm. fan. I've always liked fighters from 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 Ghana. To be honest with you, of course, um, of course. The only negative uh, experience as a boxing fan I've had. Uh, of a fighter from Ghana watching him is actually, unfortunately, it's a guy who lives in my neighborhood here in the Bronx, uh, Joshua Clotty, when he fought um, Pacquiao at uh, uh, Dallas Stadium. Yes, there you go. Um, And uh, up until that point, I'd only see Joshua Clotty in good fights. So, I mean, generally, Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of of these guys. Uh, Clotty, especially, uh, not uh, Clotty, but... um, Ike Cortez, I was a big fan of when I was a kid. And he's he just kind of bringing that back for me, like having that kind of African mix in the boxing scene. I think it's very healthy. What about you, Gabe? Azuma Nelson, right? Yeah. Get you really oh, yeah. Excited. The professor, you know. Um, the guy is, is just I, – I, I've only seen like maybe I think three fights of his, maybe four fights of his. Uh, Same here. He's so dyna- He's so exciting. Like he, yeah. he might be the most exciting fighter just in like the overall, like say like everything from his, he takes me back the way when he's coming into the ring, it's like electric. He's, he's so yeah. like, this is what I was born to do. Uh, really likes his job. Definitely has a mean streak to him. Uh, but there's like the showmanship to him and, and he just fights in a, his own style. Like, like you, that's like, I, I guess it's an Elsa thing, right? That 
Uh, every time I hear the guys from Ghana, Mike Corte, like you mm-hmm. said, they're, they're going to be tough. Even Joshua Claudi, as much as clown him for the Pacquiao fight, uh, rough night at the office. You know, uh, rugged. You guys remember his fight with Dad Duda? Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? I mean. He had that Winky Wright style, right? That peekaboo style. That peekaboo style, like Winky Wright, where he put his elbows up and his hands up high in front of him. Kind of like Winky Wright, it'd be hard to get into that defense, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, but Corte countered countered very effectively out of Mm -hmm. it, though. Mm -hmm. Corte, like, it seemed like he was grinning as he was doing it all night, uh, jamming uh, his jab in Adelo Hea's face. I actually always felt that Corte won that fight. Uh, As did I, Gabe. As did I. I thought it was you know, a close uh, fight until uh, De La Hoya kind of flurried at the end of the last couple of rounds. He got he kind of put put uh, stepped on the gas. I thought that was a difference in that fight, but it was a close got fight. The extra could have gone either way. That this is just, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, and I'll say first, like, might have, Bay, uh, won the boxing match, but De La Hoya definitely won the fight the way he finished. No doubt. Yeah, yeah he, he 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 stepped on the accelerator at the end. You know, unlike the Trinidad fight where he kind of ran out of gas. Um, me personally, I was kind of surprised I liked him because. Well, his dad was saying about uh, the fight before about you know about like giving uh, something to Trump or whatever. I, I wasn't a big fan. I didn't want to be a fan of Dog Bay. I did not want to be a, a fan of his. I thought you know his dad might be racist or something. But after that I fight, aware of this, um, I wasn't aware of this comment. Could could you explain that a little bit more? Uh, his dad, like uh, was I think it was Vargas maybe the the fight prior. His dad like yeah. and hyping the fight. I I recognize that, but it still wasn't appropriate. He mentioned something about like uh, deporting the uh, the game that got deported and and bringing the belt back to Trump, something like that, you know. Oh, no, that's championship right. belt back. Yeah, that wasn't cool, man. But no, in spite mean, that... of that, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that wasn't cool. The dad was talking mad shit, man. And but I, I kind of I get I can't. Sounds I like Garcia. Was, yeah, I think the dad was just doing it because he, you know, he was like the first time that uh, Dog Bay was, like, getting a big fight and maybe he was trying to hype it a little bit too hard, and I think he kind of went, went out of his lane, sprayed out of his lane a little bit too much. I don't think that's really how it's oh, you know, Just judging, um, judging him by the son. Just judging him by the son. Yeah, I can't judge the, you know, the son by the father. Um, yeah. You know, if the guy acts bad, you might want to look at the father and see what's up with him. But, yeah, I didn't see any of that. Uh, I saw the fight short enough he was able to, to catch that up with that. But uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's a beast, man. He's must see TV. Uh, I don't know, you know what's then, what's next for him, but uh, but yeah. I, I uh, well, you know, you know I, I, I wonder if he could take a new year on. Can you take a new year on? They're like one weight class, one weight class apart. Now you uh, and Nui could they fight each other? That'd yeah. be a monster fight, man. They're one one weight class apart, one eighteen and one twenty two, right? That would be unbelievable. That's the fight I would love to see. That would be the fight I'd like to see. I don't know how much bigger they are apart there in real life, but that'd be a great fight right there. Yeah, I I, I can see that. I, I mean, me personally, and I know I've heard you talk about this before in the past game. I, I'm not a huge fan of like weight class jumping, and Anuye hasn't really established himself yet in in one division. He's done a lot of weight weight class. I mean, he's been dominating when he's done it, but I'd like to see him like go for an undisputed title myself. That's just a personal thing. But obviously I think that that would be a, an intriguing fight. I mean, to me the most disappointing thing about Dog Bay's fight was that I heard he only got a five-figure purse, which I think is borderline criminal. Uh, I don't know how that happened and why Top Frank paid him so little money. But, it, yeah, that's, a, that, that's another issue altogether. 
I think he's a star, though. I think he's got the, the two main ingredients of being a, a star in boxing, charisma and knockout power, man. And oh, he yeah. got both. Yeah. And, you know, that's always been the, that's always been something I've been attracted to, you know, as, for a fighter. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, like to, I'd like to see him, uh, to, you know, yeah, get into some unification. You know, uh, him and Danny Ramon would be a mm-hmm. hell of a fight. Ray Vargas would be, you know, a um, hell of a fight. Uh, it's, I think there's... Uh, there's there's room for for some action from where he's at, and then we'll we'll see. You know, I I wonder if the monster if that would be a, a step too far. One twenty two. You know, I'd have to really look and see if he has talked about moving up. To be honest, you know, to to that. I think where he's at is where he wants to be. Uh, but a fight if we were doing the weight jumping thing, if if Dog Bay at some point wants to move up, uh, him and Gary Russell Jr. would be a, a pretty pretty awesome fight. But uh, more than that, I think Valdez. Would be uh, an absolute war. Just uh, I think their styles would mesh. Uh, but you know, right now he's uh, he's at one twenty two. So and there's there's plenty of good fights there. What else is on your mind, man? I, uh, I know I, I know it's kind of tough because I know you, you were on, um, on your vacation and stuff. Uh, did any of you guys get to see the? Have you guys seen the Facebook uh, uh, Golden Boy fight? Uh, what do you guys think I, of those, man? I, mm-hmm. So I mi- I missed that one, unfortunately. Yeah, you're talking, about the, Ryan, you're talking about the Ryan Garcia fight card. Yeah, that, that was the fight I'm talking about. Dude, there's another guy on, that was on that card. That's going to be another superstar. His name is uh, oh, Nico that... Macias. Yeah, I I was like shocked. This guy throws more punches than, than a bantamweight, and he's 154 pounds. And wow. he, he looks like a like he looks like a California surfer dude that would like beat up somebody at you know beat up somebody on the beach for taking their waves. Like that's what he looks like. He has like two rat tails. He comes into uh, Allison Chains, and he he just has it all, man. This guy, I was like, I had never seen him before. Holy! And uh, they had they had mentioned him on the on uh, Mario's and uh, Steve's uh, podcast, like the, the 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 week after. So I had to go check yeah. it out. You know, I hadn't seen it. And that guy is another guy that might be a star too, man. That guy throws like he set a record for most punches in a in a round by a junior middleweight in a junior middleweight fight, and he does that every round, every round. Rooster. And it's just, he just the rooster, yeah, the rooster. Yeah, amazing. I have seen the rooster. Like I, I have seen him fight. Southpaw, he's five nine, uh, seventy three inch reach. Out of, fights out of Lancaster. He's born in Lancaster, California. Um, yeah, Nico N E E C O Messia, seventeen and 0, 10 yeah. knockouts. Uh, pretty funny box wreck picture, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I have seen that kid fight. I, I didn't see that fight yet. I, that's a card I need to pick up on. But uh, he, uh, all right, I will, uh, I will check that out. That's what I'm too. Like I like I told you um, last time we spoke, I ha- I never had uh, social media, Facebook or any of that stuff, right? So I just signed up just to watch on the Apple T V, right? To get the Facebook uh watch, the app. And uh the production values of the Golden Boy uh fight uh fight card, I guess you'd call it, is excellent. It's like premium, premium quality. I'm wondering if Facebook is doing their graphics and if they have like a social media board. They have all kinds of stuff going. It feels like you're watching big time fights. You know, there's no commercials, high oh, production really? values. They got a DJ. Yeah, it's well produced. I am, I was like blown away at how good it was. You know, like I did watched you, every single fight. Mm-hmm. Did you but, see the DAZN card out of Birmingham? No, I haven't seen that yet. I haven't seen that. I tried to find. What about you, Gabe? I watched a little. I, I watched a little bit of it and I lost the stream. I was on their uh, Facebook channel and they threw me off. Like watch the yeah, I was on the, I watch it on Facebook as well. I be, I've got to be honest with you. I hope that's not the commentating crew that they they go with. Uh, oh man! Forward. I felt like the uh, guy was like some guy that came out of. He's like an ex baseball guy. You know the lead dude. 
I mean, he literally sounded like he was calling a baseball baseball game. Or golf. Like, it was really dry. Right. Yeah, it was really Super dry. dry. And just, you know, a little bare bones, like, at least, you know, it's like a spectrum, right? And we're on the more dry spectrum, uh, as opposed to being bombastic and selling me. Like, that a, like the, the dude from Showtime, Mauricio. Oh, my God. Moro. Moro. Yeah, Moro. Sorry. Uh, I'm sure he's a nice guy. I haven't seen the documentary, um, but uh, you know, yeah, too bombastic to stop. Just stop with the jokes. I'm not here for your stand-up. I'm here to watch a fight. For the pop culture references. That's what I mean. You know, the Dennis Miller stick. It just doesn't do anything for me. Uh, it's like let's just watch a fight. We don't need to relate it to. It's like he does the pop culture version of what Max Kellerman does with Boxing History on HBO, and both of them. If they're at my house while we're watching the fight, I'd say, could you guys stop talking so much? That's just me. You know why I miss doing boxing? And he, he used to do it for Showtime? And he did an excellent job with uh, Gus Johnson. He used, to, he used to give it like a big fight field, too, when he was doing the, Nuts the Showtime and Guts. broadcast. Nuts Gus and Johnson yeah. and Antonio Tarver. Yeah, Tarver. I really Tarver those guys, man. Yeah. Yeah, Tarver's one of the best really... other commentators I've ever heard, to be honest. Um, you know, and for whatever reason, the the drug uh, the drug issue led to him losing his, his his job as a commentator. I don't exactly know why, but I mean, he he was just really good, like so much better than Roy Jones Jr., who I actually like. But um, you know, I think that he was just a lot better than them. And, and anybody else that I've seen, uh, he just was really a really good uh, color commentator. I'm enjoying Andre yeah. Warden. I, I, I was never a big fan of his, but he seems like he's getting better and better on every broadcast. You know, like as the as kind of like the the sideline report, I guess you'd call him. You know, yeah. I well, he's, he's not fighting really anymore. I used to feel mm-hmm. like half the time he was commentating before he was putting himself in there and almost <laughs> trying to selling a fight because they'd often yeah. have him commentate on guys in and around his weight class. You know, and now yeah. he's retired. I think he's giving a much more, um, you know. Objective view of things. Well, what about you, Gabe? Um, sorry, I got. Yeah, I think Antonio Tarver was my was my favorite, uh, a guy that isn't commentating right now. Uh, Al Bernstein, uh, Jim Lampley, I think are, are classic announcers. Their their insights are great. Uh, Barry Tompkins, uh, Steve Farhood, Raul Marquez, I think are excellent. Al Bernstein. Um, Al Bernstein's really good. Yeah, yeah. Al, like Al, Al Bernstein. Yeah, I do. I mean, you know, what I really like is uh, I think it's developed, uh, and we've all got to watch him. Is Doug Fisher does a really good job. So does Steve and, and uh, Bethel Duran. You know, uh, they're fun. Yeah. They they inject it with energy, but also just the knowledge of the beat. They're they're uh, really like an amazing. They're authentic. Yeah, yeah. Their experience and they're authentic. And they're in and they it. got a chemistry, like, right? Doug? Life's passion. You know, um, I like that. Doug and Steve have chemistry together too, right? Uh, they were doing last week's uh, 360 undercard. I was watching that too on Apple TV, and that was great too, man. You know, with yeah, the yeah. Conte, I think he was like the third, the third person in the booth, and that was really good, man. I really enjoyed, you know. I didn't get to watch. That was nice too. Bars me about HBO. I have HBO now or Go, whatever. But I can't actually watch the fights. I had to go find a stream somewhere to watch the fights. You know, I'm paying for HBO, which is kind of bullshit. You know, it's the worst, but, man. You know. Yeah, it's bullshit. I mean, Showtime, you pay for them, and you get to watch them live, but nice feel. 
Speaking of which, I don't know if anybody noticed, Peter Nelson wasn't at the press conference yesterday. They had like a stand-in from HBO there, but Peter Nelson wasn't there at the at the press conference of the Triple G fight tomorrow. So I thought that was kind of interesting, you know. Normally he's out there Oscar, front and center, Oscar you know. wasn't there either, right? But I think he was sick. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's I think true. He maybe maybe he was around, um, but he had a, like a raspy voice or something. Because you know, Lance Pugmire did get some quotes from him. Uh, Oscar De La Hoya 2021. I mean, you know. He's got he's got money. He's a successful businessman. He's Mexican American, as he said, above thirty five years old. He's forty five years old, uh, <laughs> looking pretty good for forty five. Um, you know, uh, not him. For uh, I mean, if, no, you know, no, I mean, it's not like the envelope has been pushed. Uh, it's been torn apart, set on fire, and, and uh, thrown off the roof. So, no, I'm, I'm just. Kidding. I don't think Oscar put the partying behind him yet. So I don't think Oscar's done partying. It just feels like he still likes to have fun. Um, what do you, you know, before we get, uh, you know, I know you guys want to get to the Triple G fight. What do you guys think of the fight tomorrow? You know, I think that's going to be a good fight tomorrow. Ramirez versus Orozco? Yeah. Um, Orozco made weight. Did make that's, weight. That's a plus. That's a plus. Um, I think it's going to be an action fight that uh, Jose Ramirez is going to win. Um, if he's, you know, depending on how Orozco made weight, what his habits have been uh, at weight, uh, you know, Ramirez might grind him out and, and stop him. But I think, you know, Ramirez is kind of the, that just that, a grinder. Uh, so I expect more of a decision fight. Um, but maybe, you know, a shot to the body and, and uh, Ramirez has got that, you know. Maybe he ends things early. But, uh, Do you think he has enough power to keep Orozco? Do you think he has enough power to keep Orozco? Do you think he has enough power to keep Orozco off of him? I think Orozco is natu- the naturally bigger puncher and bigger guy. Yeah, I don't know. We're going to find out. Yeah, it's going to be I, interesting. I, I don't think it was a puncher. Ahead, you know? Yeah, I think of him as kind of a physical uh, you know, pressure fighter. gets to your body. Uh, you know, uh, He's getting better, giving angles and stuff, but his game is to kind of you know, overwhelm you, I think. And, and uh, Roscoe's at the top of his game. This could be a, you know, a dark horse you know, fight of the year candidate. Yeah, it could be an I'm looking forward to a good fight. Yeah. You know, and... Um... I'm hoping that the winner doesn't avoid unification. Who would you like to see uh, the winner of fight next, Amokar? It's a good question because, um, you know, they didn't want any piece of, of, of a, unica- a unification fight before this one. So um, I think we might. Gray, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they avoided pro gray like the plague. Um, you know, they, I, you know, it's for that reason I'm almost, kind of rooting for for an upset here. Um, as much as I like Ramirez's story and the kind of uh, community work he's involved in and the, um, you know, the action with supporting farm workers and all that, at the end of the day, as a fan, I want to see, see unification fights, personally. Um, so I just hope that whoever wins ends up, ends up unifying. Do you guys think Ramirez might be more like in the – Jaime Munguia uh, type of uh, champion where he's still developing maybe? Is that why they're kind of holding him back? Maybe not he's afraid of something? Because it seems like he's, he's been getting better every fight. I really wasn't that impressed with my first saw Ramirez. But no. like every time I fight, he gets better and better. Kind of like Canelo's done also, you know? I maybe think, well, you know, I think, uh, sorry, go ahead, Gabe. Uh, yeah, he's definitely a diamond in the rough. But, you know, he's the bigger man here. He's 5'10", 72 and a half inch reach. Uh, Orozco is 5'7", 70 inch reach. You know, he's 27 and 0, 17 knockouts. Um, you know, fought back against uh, you know in uh, in March. 
going the distance with, uh, you know, a trial horse, uh, 33, 12, and 1 at the time, Mar- Martin Onario. Um, you know, uh, he stopped Keandre Gibson uh, back in uh, April of 2017. But, you know, that, that doesn't really bode well. He only fought once in, in seven, you know, 2017, just fought once this year. You know, so he's not totally rusty. That's probably why he yeah. made the weight. But uh, he's not the bigger guy here. You know, Jose Ramirez is, and it's 22-0, 16 knockouts. Uh, like I said, I think, you know, uh, it depends on the condition that Orozco's in, uh, but I kind of expect Ramirez to grind him out and maybe get him yeah. out of there, just being the bigger man, just kind of leaning on him. And, you know, uh, that crowd's going to be energizing him all throughout. And it's the crowd, I think, that is the big difference, I mean, beyond the fighting styles between him and um, Jaime Munguia. You know, Jaime Munguia is fighting in small venues, um, you know, away from his home country. And, um, you know, on the other hand, we've got a guy who's fighting in in his hometown in front of an arena, right? So uh, I think that is really what what Top Rank is trying to protect, kind of a a cash cow that they're milking there in in that local market. Hmm. No, that's that's an excellent point, Mokar. Um, yeah, I mean they're not going to go against Progre until they have to, and and you know he's in the tournament, of the you know Super Series, so um, we'll see, you know he'll his you know, if it comes through that successful, uh, that could be a super fight if Ramirez is still undefeated and and you know trudging along. I mean the guy does great numbers. Reminds so, me a lot of when Lucien Boutte was in in the uh, a world, okay. um, yeah, the world. Uh, what was it called? The one they called Frosch and Ward and all those guys were in. The well, super uh, six, the super right? six. So he was kind of protecting his yeah. He was protecting his title and, and his you know his his local his local market and, and didn't really fight somebody until he had to. And we we saw what happened when he got out of that comfort zone and, and fought Carl Frosch. What about yeah, Alex Salcido? No. Would you like to see that fight next, like for the winner? Pardon me. Can you repeat that? Alex Salcido. Would you like to see that fight next for the winner of tomorrow? Alex Salcido. That's yeah, that would be interesting. I mean, you, he's usually in good fights. Yeah. For a second, uh, Amilcar, I thought you were talking about Andre Ward. But like, oh, Butte, also. No, no, I was talking about Butte. He was, he was, yeah, he had that Mo- Montreal, the Bell Center. He was selling it out. He was making millions each fight, right? He yeah, didn't yeah. enter the tournament. He was protecting his title, right? He didn't sure. put it on the line against those other it's guys, like and then, yeah. right? And then the the plan was for him, for those guys to kind of beat on each other, you know unify, wear each other out, and then he'd kind of get them at the end and hopefully do something against them, and he didn't, you know. I just see that as kind of being the route that, that Top Rank is trying to take with Ramirez. Yeah, he's a, you, you know, I don't want to insult him by calling him limited, but, I mean, you know, he's not a big knockout punter. I don't even look at him as a guy that, oh, Monday he's going to be, well, maybe he could be a welterweight at 5'10". He's, he's a big kid, but... But but he's really not going to be a power puncher at 147. Although he is young, you know he could he could develop. He's 26. I mean he's I don't know he's close to his man strength. So but, like one baby bull Diaz level power at his weight yes. class. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I totally so, agree with that. I'd like to see the Saucedo fight. That's a great fight. That'd be great for all action. Maybe even Oklahoma City. You know, get get a uh, Ramirez if he wins out of his comfort zone. You know, make it make it interesting you know, for the sport. Grow sport a little bit too, you know. That'd be great. Um, what do you guys think of the undercard tomorrow? You know, working our way up to the, the main event. Um, oh, excuse me. Uh, excuse me. The undercard on uh, Saturday. Sorry about that. The, you mean like Michael Sullivan and David Lemieux and those fights? 
Yeah, uh, Choco, Choco Gonzalez against Moises Fuentes. Jaime Munguia against Brandon Cook. What do you guys think about those fights? I'm really I'm intrigued by that. See Munguia. Yeah. 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 It's be his fifth fight I this just year. Just must see TV for me. Boy, he throws his punches from way far away sometimes, and like real wide. He just—he's like a counter shot. You know, he was watching like Brandon Cook on the the mitts. You know, uh, for the open workout this week, and they're all real compact shots, real straight shots, straight up the middle. Their game plan is to to cut the line on him inside, I think, and and hit him in between those shots. And uh, you know, he's held up. Cook is not known as a big, I don't think he's known as a big knockout puncher. We're going to find out about him at this level. Um, I think he's 32 years old. He's kind of you know an also ran. Uh, this is big shot. Uh, now we're never very, man. Yeah, I'm very curious to see that fight. Uh, I've got that one earmarked as a it's potentially exciting. But you know, or Mangia is like, you know, his power is too great and knocks the guy out really fast. <laughs> it could be one of those two. Uh, I don't know. What do you think about Chocolatito? Is he going to be? Uh, is he going to be smooth or? I think that's special to be honest. I think he's going to be. I think there's going to be an upset tomorrow. I think he's going. I think it'll be the last to see Chocolatito. Chocolatito tomorrow. You know, I think he, I get, I think he gets stopped. I think he's, uh, he's damaged goods at this point. To be honest, I really, I, I think yeah. it's two things. I think it's two things. I think psychologically, uh, that loss he took, you know, it being so devastating has had an impact on him. But I also think like that aura of invincibility has kind of been erased as well. You know, kind of like when people were stopped, when people were no longer afraid of Mike Tyson. You know, I mean, his his fights changed. Um, people are going to take it to him knowing that they can knock him out. I mean, he was just almost, you know, you know I don't want to use the word invincible, but, you know, he was, he just looked unbeatable when he was in his prime, right? Um, he just, like, physically just dominate people. And to get those kind of knockouts at that low weight class was something that at least I found pretty remarkable. I was like, one of the few people gave back in the day uh, when you were doing the, the old show that was calling and talking about this guy because I was watching him on YouTube because he wasn't on TV yet. And at that time, people were legitimately afraid of him. You'd see him out there in Japan, and, like, people just didn't want to engage. That, that, that time of Chocolatito is, 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 is gone. And now we see people actually engaging him and fighting him. Yeah, no, I, I uh, but you know, I wonder if Moises Fuentes is the guy. You know, he's a little bit taller. Uh, Chocolatito is five three, uh, four inch reach. Uh, Fuentes is five six and a half, sixty eight inch reach. Uh, he's twenty five, five and one, fourteen knockout wins, uh, three knockout losses. But he's uh, you know thirty years old. He's got a crazy run these last few fights, uh, like his last five fights leading up to this one. Um, Sounds yeah, like a great guy for Chocolatito to come back against. Yeah, well, but it's weird. Like, listen to this. He, he, uh, 2016 April, he beats Romel uh, uh, Senho, who's like 29 and four, knocks him out TKO rather uh, in one round. Then in the next fight, uh, he fights Kosei Tanaka and loses by TKO in the fifth round. Comes back in 2017 July uh, and. Loses to Ulysses Lara in a 10-rounder by majority decision. Uh, he rematches him in October of that same year and knocks him out in one round. And then in February of 2018, he fights Diego Higa and gets knocked out in one round. And now he's fighting Chocolatito uh, in September. 
So uh, it could go either way for this guy. You <laughs> might go. You might go the way of. Uh, sorry, go ahead. It's an interesting fight, though, regardless of who you think is going to win. I think it's, it's an interesting fight. Go ahead, Mel I'm sorry. I, don't know. I was just going to say, it sounds like he might go the way of Moises Flores when he got knocked the fuck out by Guillermo Regan now. But we'll see what happens. I had to get at least one Rigo, Rigo statement in before before I, <laughs> I leave the show tonight. <laughs> and by the way, that should, have been, that should have been a knockout victory for Rigo, I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, I agree with that's funny. It was, uh, whenever I mentioned Tito, I think you know people need to now take two shots. You mentioned uh, Guillermo Rigondeaux. Um, you know, I got eight minutes left, and I have two other callers, Fernando. So I'm going to put in suspense okay, yeah. as to who I'm going to pick. But uh, no worries. Who do you I got? got I got Canelo by decision tomorrow. I got Canelo by decision. Uh, two careers going two different directions. Canelo's still on the on the on the upswing, and I think Gennady's holding on right now. He's kind of going down. And that's a looks different a little, team fight tomorrow. Thank you. Looks a, all right, man. Thanks so much. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Catch you. Are you going to the movies? Oh, uh, yeah, dude, if you want to go out there, I'm going to take my girl with me. If you want to meet up, dude, I'm in Emeryville. So Emeryville. Me, I'll be there. I'm going right. to get there early, dude. So if you go out there, I'll be there. Dude. I'll be wearing a red. Hit me up, uh, on, uh, hit me up on email. You have my email. Uh, oh. Let me know about it. All right, dude, yeah. I'll be wearing a red Cesar Chavez jacket if you see me from Roots of Fight. So that'll be me. Big. Big white Mexican with the with the red jacket on. <laughs> <laughs> right on. All right, man. All right, I'll talk thank to you. you. Bye. All right. Enjoy Bye, Mocker. Yeah, thanks, man. Great speaking to you. Um, and we have a blocked number. You're live on Leave It in the Ring. Hello. Blocked number. Unlisted you can't caller. Trust those numbers, game. It's you know I, I'm trying to give everybody. What are you, what uh, are you hiding? That's my question. Yeah, who do you work for? Eight one two. You're live on Leave It in the Rain. Hey Gabe, what's going on? This is Joe, man. Good to hear from you. Hey Joe, how are you, man? I know it's it's probably been some years. Amilcar, how you guys doing, man? I sorry, I just I got on kind of late. I just figured I I just come in and uh, call in and give my prediction for the weekend. Uh, but it's been like a. Oh yeah, it's been like a decade in Trump time, you know, uh, <laughs> where a, a week feels like you know a year. Uh, it's been quite a while, but uh, yeah, man, no, yeah. it's good. I just got back from Burning Man. It was a great burn. Uh, I'm now recovered. My house is no longer covered in uh, dusty items from the desert, so things are good. Oh man, that's just like a. a buddy of my ringside Robbie he had to evacuate out there too man his house was kind of was getting messed up by those, those fires down there in California but he said he's doing oh, man. okay now yeah oh no yeah, my stuff is okay dusty now. from burning man but uh that's, I'm glad that he's oh. doing okay <laughs> and then we're fine it's but no um ash on the car I'll touch on the flight um uh, did you guys touch earlier on uh because I I got off work kind of late and I wasn't really uh up to what had happened with Canelo and the gloves. I mean, I mean his hand wraps. Is that an issue going on leading up into the fight? I haven't um, seen anything about that, at least in the the news that I was reading before I got on. Steve, uh, Steve Kim uh, posted on Boxing Scene that uh, Team Golovkin had uh, filed a um, a complaint with. Uh, the you know Nevada State Athletic Commission regarding the amount of tape that Canelo was going to use. I think he's only supposed to be using like 24 inches of one inch tape, um, but 
apparently they allow you to, to stack uh, you know the, the tape and the gods in Nevada uh, they've kind of some like uh, open to interpretation language apparently according to the article uh, and uh, so they're protesting that that he shouldn't be allowed to use you know uh, as much tape as he wants in order to get his, his you know uh, his rap on um, so it's very strange man we're finding out a lot about uh, how how uh, open to you know just how, how how funky all the rules are for hand wrapping it's just like you know if anti-doping was bad I mean you think this is like should be the most they very safe thing, by right? state. yeah well but think about it there's also India casino so those are also you know when you go on the ABC uh, you look at all the all the different uh, email addresses of people to contact uh, that that put on fights. It's like seventy six emails, something like that, different wow. jurisdictions. Wow. So um, and those are all, I guess, you know, for the most part, different ways of of wrapping hands too. Somebody should look well, into that. There's so many writers. Wow. Yeah. Is this mind this, games on the part of of Triple G, or is he legitimately concerned? In which case, you know, that's kind of a negative, I think. And you should be focused on the fight. What are you worried about the dude's hand wraps for? I think it's more think it's of a... able. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I wouldn't be able to... Uh... You know, I don't know. Um, yeah, that's going to be... Uh, and here's the thing, uh, guys. Did you see... I did read, I believe it was on Boston Scene. Did they have... Did They They didn't do a final, like a stare, like a stare down the day at the final press conference, right? Yeah, Keith Eidick reported that that was Canelo's decision not to do that. I, you know, it, it is interesting. I, I don't because I'm not there covering the camps and everything. It's it's hard for me to get a bead. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm I'm privy to the information you guys are, unless I make some calls, you know. Uh, but even then, yeah, it's like you don't yeah. get to observe behavior. But when you watch them, just from a media standpoint, yeah, one side, the the, the Triple G side, is still talking about the last fight. Uh, yeah, but now yeah. they're saying they're going to go to the body. They've come up with the ginger snap. Um, there's been a lot of quotable stuff, uh, but really strong language condemning Canelo. We're going to get rid of him. It's for the good of the sport. Uh, it, it seems like it's gone beyond sport a little bit. Um, whereas Canelo just said, you know, simply they're, they're, these are the excuses of, of men, you know, drowning. It's like for the good of the drowning. sport. So I guess it was for the good of the sport when he fought Marta Rocha. Yeah. Sorry, I digress. That's, Sorry. That's, it bothers that's me, too. It was a, a two-year no, layoff. The guy didn't have a shot. Kel Brook, moving up in weight. Sure, he's a big 47, but 60 hours, he had 54. Or is he talking about he can make 47 still? No, he's, um, he's talking about fighting Amir Khan at, 50, at 47. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I got two minutes. I got I to gotta knock out my uh, breakdown. Let me, let, me, let me ask you this. Uh, this is my question. Is who could do better? Who could improve from the first fight? Is a 36-year-old guy who maybe is not even I haven't what I haven't heard and maybe nobody covered. Did Triple G do anything different this camp? Looking at the tape, not just in terms of strategy, but did he physically prepare in a different way? Looks a little drawn to me. Uh, so low, I'm doing a lot of know. shadow boxing with the weights, you know, the runs on the road. It's kind of very similar footage. Obviously, none of us are there to what I've seen him doing fast camps. And both um, guys, you know, in order to get that clear win, I think are going to need to add a little more offense or need to land a little bit more, not just throwing the jab, but I think more punches to the body, more combinations. So Triple G has to step it up. Canelo has to do the yeah. same thing. And it, it's, it's Triple G's nature to step it up uh, and do that. But, you know, he's also 36. Um, 
and you know Canelo's 28. He's in his prime. Where you know if he's not juicing, and and this is just a guy that got caught uh, with the contamination, and it's true. I, the way he looks, I expect him to use a more speedy approach um, and be a little more fluid in like just watching his hand speed and everything. That's that's what I'm seeing. Um, I expect Canelo to add about 20, 25% more offense uh, as Triple G tries to step it up and take more chances. And the natural counterpuncher, Canelo, is going to off of his jab, which I think might be a bit faster, be able to beat Triple G to the punch and then be ready to set up those power shots off of that as, as Triple G tries to uh, impose himself. Uh, I've seen Triple G get a little bit tired in the back end of fights. Um, we could see a knockdown. I don't know. I don't think of Canelo as a, as a power puncher, but if he gets to the body and tenders him, tenderizes him, maybe he sets that up. But I think youth will be served. I got Canelo by decision. I agree, Gabe. Younger man, um, more uh, impressive resume, bigger fights. Uh, he's, he's training to go to distance, I think. He's training to be lighter on his feet, throw more punches, counterattack move his hips, move his, his, his shoulders, and I see him um, not engaging Triple G in the way that, uh, I'll be honest, that Abel Sense is almost trying to goad him into, into engaging. I just don't see him doing it. I also see no. Canelo winning by decision. Close decision. Yeah, Canelo is a very strong-willed dude. Uh, you can't make him do and I think all the events have proven that to be true. He did the hair test. He did the 365. But these are all his decisions when he got that information. He didn't deal with he the media until he wanted receipt. to. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? And credit card statements. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He did everything he, a man in, in that position being accused of what he was accused of could have done. I don't think there was anything else he could have done. And and I'm sorry, I just don't see him being intimidated by Triple G. This is a guy who, at 15 years old, was fighting grown men. Right. And he's been doing this longer. He's gone the distance more times. He's been on pay-per-view more times. This is jam. Um, and he wins close fights. So if it's close again, if it's the same fight as the last time, um, with a little more offense from Canelo... A little more, little more double volume. and triple jab. And that's it. And really, it could be as simple as that. Maybe just letting the right hand go a little quicker. The way Oscar did against Tito early on. You know? Is Triple G going to get faster? Don't think so. Nope. No, I don't. And I think the kid is could Is he going to get some... stronger? I don't think so. You know? That's or his tactics going to improve? Uh, you know? Maybe. <laughs> possibly. But, um,. But you need I, the I physical to get that done, it. right? Yeah. So, uh, well, you know, we're running out of time here, but uh, Joey, any uh, who's yeah. who you got? Uh, I'm I'm gonna those points, you guys, you guys nailed it, man. But I, I, I'm going for uh, I want to see Golovkin win. I don't think he can knock him out. I think he'll win a close decision, kind of like a one fifteen, one thirteen. Uh, a buddy of mine asked me yesterday, uh, do it, would this fight end in a knockout? The only Way I see it ending in a knockout if it, if Canelo does it, I think he I think he can knock out Golovkin, but I, my prediction is Golovkin uh, by decision. But guys, uh, Gabe, man, a good show. I'm gonna let you guys go, and then uh, good to hear from you guys, man. I'm gonna try to definitely follow you guys on Twitter and, and try to call in when I can. Awesome. All right, man. I'll be back but, here hey, Monday. Take care and enjoy the fights, guys. Take care. All right. 
Thank care. you, you too. Mm-hmm. Well, the middle car, I, I really appreciate you uh, subbing in like this. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll reach out to you offline. Uh, we don't have to haggle here uh, if I want to do yes. this again. But uh, enjoy the fight, man. It was really fun tonight. Thank you, Gabe. Hey, hey my pleasure. I appreciate it. You have a good night, bro. You too. All right. Uh, Take care. So for Dave Duenas, uh, Emil Carr, and uh, all the rest of the callers, uh, you're leaving to the ring. Uh, Just say thanks. And uh, if you're driving, don't drink because you will spill your beer. Peace. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.